Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that? What a night in the NBA. The Clippers beat the Lakers, sweep the season series. Not only does LeBron not play, but AD doesn't play. He's got back spasms, he's got an ankle thing, but he thinks he's going to be able to play tomorrow night in Portland, and that's a huge game. And AD, with an interesting spin, talking to the media about... They don't want to be in the playing games, but clearly they need games together to get back into rhythm and play their best basketball. And they're still thinking title, and they're not giving up on it and all that kind of stuff. And they need games. And he says, if they have to come in the playing series, so be it. It's not what we want. We don't want to be in it, but we need games if we get them there. (laughs) So Dallas won last night. Dallas beat the Nets. Um, We'll have David Locke on later this morning and you know, Locke's theories on, on the net is that they're going to score so many points if they have their whole team uh, that it, their bad defense isn't going to matter. But, of course, they don't have their whole team. Harden's out. Durant played. He was wildly inefficient, only made about a third of his shots. Uh, Kyrie Irving had an awesome night and scored 45 points, and 17 of 31 shooting and all that. But the Mavericks got the win. They got the lead uh, kind of middle of the fourth quarter. And they got the lead up to seven, and then the Nets were scoring, but they couldn't get stops, and they couldn't get back in the game. They couldn't get it down to a one-possession game, let alone have the ball and a chance to tie or take the lead. So the Mavericks get the win, and with the Lakers, you know, LeBron's going to be out uh, for tonight's game against Portland. Somebody's got to lose there. If you're the Mavericks, you got to keep winning and taking care of business. You're going to pick up another game on the seventh-place team. The Mavericks here, they, they're in fifth, and they've got a clear path to holding on to fifth. It's not a done deal. It's not a lock, but there's obviously a path for them. They're better than the Blazers, and they're better than the injured Lakers, and now they've got a one-game lead. So the Mavericks in fifth could be the first of the eight playoff teams where we really nail down, this is it. Dallas is going to be the five seed. <laughs> the season ends a week from Sunday, and maybe we can finally see where one team's going to finish. I think the Jazz should finish one. I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets tonight, they are the heavy favorite to finish one. Uh, now, PK was just saying, well, if the Suns win in Atlanta, they're the heavy favorite to finish one. And there's a certain logic to that. And then, of course, they didn't win in Atlanta, so it doesn't matter. There goes that theory out the window. And the Jazz may not be Denver tonight, so that theory could go right out the window too. But I think that given the fact here that the Jazz closed the season six games and three of them are against really bad teams that have nothing left to play for in Sacramento, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Um, win those three, now you got three games, you're going to go two and one or one and two in these other games. You know, you're, you're kind of playing middling teams like the Warriors, so on any one night might get you. But they're a 500 team, and the Jazz have largely been destroying the middle of the league. Minnesota accepted, thank you very much. The Washington Wizards accepted, thank you very much. So largely, uh, they've been doing well against the middle of the league. There have been a couple pretty significant exceptions to that statement. I get that. Um, Now, Lakers and Portland, if Dallas is going to be five, then Lakers and Portland for 6-7. And if you're seven and you lose, maybe you win and you're eight. And if the Jazz get the one, you know, so I know they're doing this dance where nobody really wants to play a healthy Laker team, but it may not be a healthy Laker team, and the Jazz still may not play them. But right now it seems like the Lakers could end up six, seven, eight, or out. You know, if they got to play in these playing games and their guys aren't healthy, their two stars aren't healthy, um, AD's quotes, he's planning on playing in Portland. 
Um, but how does your back feel after a night's sleep? Anybody who's ever had back problems can tell you that no matter how you feel one day, you might feel differently the next. I don't know what to tell you. He plays if he walks out there in the jump circle. That's what I think. Um, even if they say he's going to play at 5 o'clock, you know, you can you can get up out of a chair and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not playing tonight. <laughs> it hurts too bad. Things change. It just happens. All right, we'll get into that as the morning progresses. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Who's ready to talk a little jazz basketball? We got Joe Ingles coming up. We got Craig Bowlerjack right now. We had them both late in the show yesterday. We will never get them in the 6 a.m. hour, so we'll always make sure we have them for you, the early risers. Bowler will drop a few last nights. He always does. He can't help himself. But you get the point. And the Jazz, look at this. A game up on the Suns. Big games coming up tonight with the Jazz at home against Denver. And the Phoenix Suns are also in action tonight. They actually have to... Uh, they got a little running games here. They got the Lakers coming up on the weekend. So we'll see how this goes. All right. Here's Bowler with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Bowler, good morning. David James, Patrick Kinahan, how are you? Good. Well, I'm good. PK's great. <laughs> and the reason Ooh, is... Cut that up, Yuck. Our mood <laughs> is... Determined 100% by how the Jazz are playing. There's you. nothing else in our life. We are freakishly shallow people with very few links to other human beings. Cut that up, Yuck. And PK announced, and yeah. he, is, he is on board with this 100%. He has said this multiple times, that he has never had more confidence in the Jazz and their ability to play basketball at a very high level than he has right now. This season. This season, yeah. He's, we're, yeah, he's, not, he's not going back yeah. to the statues. Yeah. No, we're talking yeah. this year. Right now. Peak moment for the 2020-2021 campaign. Now, Bowler, are you also at the top of the wave in terms of confidence? Or like me, are you still looking at two guys injured on the bench? Like, when do you come back and how long does it take to get the rust off and be ready to go? Mm, good conversation. I had the same convo with Locke last night about the, the level of play right now, which is really impressive, which I would we would agree with PK because the ability to adjust and continue to run their offense and play the defense that they are without Conley and Donovan is impressive. My next concern would be, and I'm not trying to be a negative guy here, but now blending those two back in when they come back and how does that work? Look, I, if they can adjust without them, I'm guessing they can adjust with them back. They're all-stars, right? And they can make the adjustment adjustments as well. If you look at it on, on, a, on a real positive side, which I know PK is Mr. Positive. Yeah, that, no that, question. That, that's the way he lives his life. As a it's positive, always sunny. Always, always sunny and sandy. Yes, 
always. And Danny so DeVito, is, Pat Kinahan, it's yeah. a heck of a show. It's a heck of a show. And what happens is that what you have found out is that you have multiple young players that have shown their ability to adjust as well. And it's a deep team. Uh, and the other part of that is that they understand they're coming back. And so they're getting their minutes. They're playing for contracts. They're also playing for a purpose. But also, I think they understand, too, when these when Donovan and, and Mike come back, things are going to change up again. Right now, I'm intrigued with the way they play. Look, uh, Joe has done a great job. In fact, uh, is this a warm-up show before Joe comes on today? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell Joe, uh, you know, his stage show is really building, and uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm impressed. I mean, you know, he's kept his cool. He's running the show. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich, I think, has been the total game changer for the Jazz at the moment where his game, instead of standing outside he's uh, and trying to hit threes, he's, he's been the most aggressive. This must have been the most aggressive uh, part of the season for him and the most – I think he's playing his best basketball, honestly. I mean, making decisions, um, less turnovers, free throw attempts as he as, as he's been driving to the rim. So you know, it's an amazing thing to watch. Again, the team—it's a team—and that they're able to make these adjustments. And uh, they're still a game up now, despite all the woes um, with the injuries of Donovan and Conley to make it to this point. With amazingly six games left, man, that's it. Six, three home three road i think bogdanovich is the number one uh reason why i have this most confidence this season because as i look at this team and into him individually when the team was going well he couldn't buy a basket to the point where he even he was willingly talking about it that this is the worst struggle he's ever had and i was saying earlier to dj that Okay, I didn't follow you that much when you were over in the Eastern Conference because I, you know, we obsess about the Jazz in the Western Conference. But I did follow you every game last year, and you weren't as bad, and you acknowledged it. Right now, since he's been here, this just about the completion of the two seasons. This last stretch, it's the complete opposite. You, you, by your own acknowledgement, you never said you said you hadn't struggled like this. Now I'm not sure he's ever played as certainly in a Jazz uniform. In my thought, he yeah. hasn't played this well. So I get that when the other two stars come back, some of the role guys, Joe Ingles is not going to have the ball as much, and Yang's probably not going to get as many shots. I understand all that, but Bogdanovich. Even last year, with those two guys, was still putting up twenty a game, and and Mike needed a whole season to assimilate, and I believe he's assimilated now. But the point I'm making is, they go into the postseason, and I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back. Maybe I'm wrong to do it, but I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back, and Bogdanovich is going to go into this postseason with the highest level of confidence he's probably ever had as an NBA player, knowing he can do so much. So he's going to add to it. Not that It's not going to be subtracted. He may not get as many shots, but the shots he gets and the plays that he makes, he's going to have a whole lot of confidence going forward. And I think that, to me, has been partially because the other guys have been out and he has had these opportunities. Plus, somewhere along the line, whether it's coaching or an individual decision, they told him, hey, if you've got an opportunity, how about you start driving to the basket? Yeah. And yeah, so no, it's looking point. like he is at the top of his game right now. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I don't think he's played better basketball at this moment for the Jazz in the last uh, six to eight games. And what he's done is decided he starts early, which has been a huge benefit for the Jazz. Uh, and what he's doing is not parking himself outside. He is. He's got a lot of mismatches. He's got a big body. He's driving to the rim. He's taking advantage of scoring. He's more confident than ever. I, you know, and again, it goes back to PK to your point about the depth of this team, but also the confidence that Bogey will bring in postseason play. How many times have we heard Bogey wasn't in the bubble? Bogey wasn't in the bubble because of the wrist injury and the surgery that he had. I think it's taken. You talk about assimilating. Uh, it took Bogey to reassimilate himself to the Jazz and maybe his own mind, his own confidence. Right after the surgery, we saw him flex the hand constantly. He wrapped it. He tried all multiple things. Maybe for the first time. It takes time to recover from surgeries, uh, but it's it's his shooting hand, so maybe he's finally forgotten about it, right? Maybe he's now more confident with the drive. Maybe he doesn't feel the sting as he once did, and I think that's what we're, we're watching, a guy who's finally returned to his level, and he went through all the highs and lows, mostly lows, by the way, as you said. When you when you get in front of a microphone and you actually, as a professional athlete, talk about I'm not I'm not at the level I should be. I'm playing the worst basketball of my career, and then to able to turn it around with coaching or his teammates encouraging him, and then he sees that opening when Mike and Donovan are out to be the guy to help to help this team push through a really difficult time. If he doesn't roll into the postseason with a load of confidence, I'm stunned because right now he is playing at the highest of levels, and the Jazz are, are benefiting by, by the play of Boyan Bogdanovich. So do you expect uh, Conley and Mitchell back in the regular season, or do you think these last six games, the Jazz just go as they've gone, it's going pretty well, they play three teams that are not even in the playoff hunt for the 10th spot, so they're playing three pretty lousy teams that are, that are basically done. So do they just roll with these guys and the other guys come back for the playoffs now, which buys them another almost full week to get healthy? Well, the only concern I have is, again, as we just talked about, is playing those guys back in a little bit. I still think it takes a couple of games. Um, you know, look, Mike's been around, and so is Donovan. I mean, we think of him older than he actually is because of the way he plays. But I'd be more comfortable to see him get a couple of games, maybe uh, the last two road games to – to as PK say, you know, reassimilate into the into the into the rotation and let the other players also understand the role a little bit more of what they're going to do. And maybe Quinn does. Most coaches always say they tighten up a rotation in postseason play. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case for Quinn and this team because so many moving parts uh, have been successful this year. But I still think it's important to get them back on the floor. But, of course, they have to be ready, right? I mean, the Jazz aren't going to push them. That hamstring has been an issue since Conley came to the Jazz. And Donovan's really working through his first major injury uh, as a professional. So, um, you know, you hear all sorts of reports uh, of maybe this, maybe that. But, again, I'm no doctor. I mean, those guys know their bodies better than anybody. But if you could, if you could draw it up, I would like to see him play three of the last six uh, together, and then formulate that plan of rotation before they just you know whoever they're if they finish one they finish two, and then they have to wait for the playing games to to know who their uh, you know first round opponent is, and um, you know 
I, it, it'd be good to see them back. If they can't, the Jazz have obviously proven right now that they can continue to win. The big, another good, great test is there's a couple of tests coming up. Uh, Denver tomorrow night, and then you also see the Blazers. Uh, so those are a couple of games you can kind of, uh, again, judge how far the Jazz have come without Mike and, uh, and Donovan. But I think the Denver Nuggets, again, have been a, a thorn in the Jazz side. I thought Jamal Murray's injury would put them down, but in fact it's, it's motivated them, much like the Jazz losing two All-Stars. They lose Jamal Murray and Jokic and a guy named Austin Rivers, who they signed, has played extremely well for them off the bench. He knocked down 25 last night. So uh, those are going to be, you know, good tests again prior to, prior to the postseason. So a lot of times uh, you get to the arena early, obviously in the home games you're there, and you see guys that aren't currently uh, on the roster in terms of health, but they're still working out a little bit. Have you seen either of the two do any, any of that stuff before the game? No, they're basically, PK, still doing you know behind-the-scenes work, honestly. I've seen Donovan take one very mild jump shot in his street clothes. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, it's still behind the scenes. They, they're, if they're working out, it's basically uh, at the uh, you know, basketball, Zions Bank basketball campus. Uh, but I still think it's still in that process of, you know, the rehab process, whether it's at the arena or at the practice facility. Uh, but no, we haven't seen him jump on the floor and do any sprints up and down the floor. At least I haven't. And, you know, I get there before the players even jump on the floor and, you know, they go through their, their typical warmups, uh, with their, uh, their coaches. So, um, maybe still time is something that, that, that Donovan needs along with Mike and, uh, you know, Mitchell's an- injury, ankle injury. If you look back at the replay, that still was pretty wicked. And, uh, luckily, you know, it came out clean on the MRI, but it takes time, man. It takes time, especially the way he plays uh, as well. Explosive play. And I think the Jazz will be more cautious uh, than, than to try to see him get back on the floor. Uh, I'm guessing it will be later than sooner. But, you know, he's 24. Maybe he heals faster. But they want to make sure he's right before they hit the, the road to the playoffs. Craig Bolajak, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Uh, I'm curious when you talk to, and I, I know you can't talk to nearly as many people, there are places in the arena you can't go, the COVID protocols and all that, but if you're talking to broadcasters with other teams, and uh, I know you're on Zoom calls that you don't participate in because I know you're following stuff, doing your homework. I, I see you once in a while lurking in the background, Bowler. I know what you're doing. <laughs> and so I'm curious what the feeling around the league is. Everybody's looking at the Lakers. Everybody is picking the Lakers, not everybody, but the vast majority of people are picking the Lakers if they're healthy to defend their title. And it's gotten to the point now that they aren't healthy. The fact that LeBron came back and then had to go away again is a huge red flag, and people still don't want to count him out because he's been so good for so long, and they just won the title. So I'm wondering if there's any feeling, talk around the league. Do they know anything? Are they thinking the same thing PK and I are thinking about his health? What do you know? Well, I'm I'm with you guys. I am basically heard the same things, that there is concern in L.A. because he did come back, and then he had to basically pull himself back out uh, of this lineup. And, you know, they're – 
and you can tell he's not happy, uh, you know, whenever he voices opinion right about the play-in format. Yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Now, since they are on the brink of falling into that category, then, of course, he doesn't like it because it means that that doesn't, you know, guarantee him a, a postseason appearance. But, you know, as LeBron, I think there's a, the respect that he has is, is earned. And that's the one thing that I've always felt. Look, you may love him, you may not. Uh, the bottom line is respect him because of the way that he plays. And if he is healthy and AD is healthy, yeah, they're going to be an incredible opponent to take on. You know, what would be incredible if you see the Clippers-Lakers uh, in the 4-5 spot? Uh, wow. Would that open the door for m- many teams in the West, knowing that one of those teams wouldn't make it out of the first round? I'm sure that's on LeBron's mind, too. But you know, looking at the standings right now, if we started today, it'd be Jazz Memphis. If it just held steady, it would be Phoenix and the Blazers. It would be Denver and the Lakers. Now, that would be something because that's two good teams and one's not going to make it. And the other one is the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. And with the way Lucas played, there's a lot of thought about, are they the sleeper, you know, in the West? So, um We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the season ends on the 16th, and the play-in games start, what, two days later, and then the playoffs start on the 22nd. So, I mean, it's just around the corner. Some answers are coming, but to your point, I can't count out the Lakers unless LeBron's on the bench. Uh, then L.A.'s chances are basically null and void. But if he's on the floor and healthy, then, of course, watch out because I, I know what he's done in the past. We all We all have seen it. And you have to respect that. Moeller, as always, we enjoy having you on. Whether you're closing for Joe or opening for Joe, it doesn't really matter to us. Well, you know, I'm just looking for tips. You know, I hope he shares the tip jar after his show uh, is over. You know, I warm him up, so I've got to, you know, hopefully get a little... A little something for the effort. Yeah, yeah. But tell him, you know, look, man, just keep, you know, keep being Joe. Moeller, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good weekend. There's Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He'll be on the call tonight as the Jazz play the Nuggets. And as always, they will be feeding you updates on the score from the Suns game as well. All right. When we come back, Joe Ingles, the man, the myth, the legend. He's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to hear from Joe Ingles. He joined us in the 9 o'clock hour at the end of yesterday's show. Had plenty of things to say, everything from uh, Quinn Snyder to Renee to his teammates to his own stats that he doesn't understand. Joe, on a wide range of topics, right now on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. 
This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You sound happier and more upbeat. Is that because you haven't got a technical foul and you haven't had to get lectured when you go home recently? You've been keeping it. You've been living on the right side of the line, Joe. Um, nah, the technicals don't phase me either way. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not going to ruin my day. Um, no, I'm just. I, you know, the the best thing about it is I think I'm just enjoying the weather. I'm so glad the sun's uh, finally out properly, like out, and it's shining and it's hot. I'm with you. I think a lot of people are. We all are. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's been bizarre. So I'm glad that I woke up this morning and my lawn was being mowed and I could stand outside and have a coffee and it was a good start to the day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm wondering how amusing you found that ESPN story that you're leading the league in something or other because in our time with you, it's quite apparent that of all the NBA players I've ever been around, you probably care least about personal statistics. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I, I mean, I genuinely really don't care. Um, again, I said it in the, the article with Tim, but I, everyone was telling me about this stat, and I'm like, I have no idea what this thing is, like, so I, I, I did check it out. I tried to, like, Google it to see it. I still had no idea what it really meant. And then I still honestly don't really care. Um, the only thing that made me laugh one time, I think it was last week, is it came up about when I was shooting from three, close to 50 or 49 or whatever it was. And um, I think it was a coach basically made a joke saying, well, it just shows that you're not shooting enough if you're shooting that good a percentage. Like, you need to shoot more. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try and shoot some more. So, um, no, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's whatever, cool or whatever. People can write an article about it, get their clicks, but uh, I couldn't care less. So I get the not caring about the individual stat, but the fact is one of the reasons the team has such a good record is because they have so many people who are so efficient when they shoot the ball. I mean, you can do a bunch of things great in a game, but if you can't shoot the ball, that's what they give you the points for. That's how they decide who wins. And it doesn't matter if it's free throws, if it's stuff in the lane, if it's three-pointers, you are very efficient. So whichever coach told you, whether it's Quinn or one of the assistants who said you need to shoot more because you're that efficient, they are 100% on target. But I also feel like watching you play, that message has been has been sinking in. You've probably heard a lot and you're absorbing it. Am I right? For sure. Um, and not a lot in a bad way, as in over, overdoing it or anything, but um, just being, I guess, aware of, fact that I can be a bit more aggressive obviously with, with Mike and Donovan out too there's 50 extra shots to take between those two um, just 
being more assertive. Um, the Spurs, for example, pick and roll going to my left um, to try and stop my, my drive going left. And that's why, I mean, I, I think I missed the first three or four or something. But coach was like, that's to show you get like, Um, so that first time out, it was like, all right, Rudy set it, set it a little bit lower, and I'm going to shoot it every time. And I'm, obviously, I feel like eventually, even if I miss a, a couple of them, I'm going to make some. Um, so I just had to, kind of had to stick with it, I guess. And um, that, that's probably a little bit of the difference of in the past. Um, probably not kind of more recently, but like earlier on in my career, if I missed those first couple, I was a lot more hesitant to, to keep firing them up. Um, where, like, regardless of percentages or field goals or like whatever these stats mean, um, I've just got to keep shooting the shots that are, are there for me to take. And um, obviously, I feel like um, the, the last couple of years, how, how good my shots felt, uh, I feel like at some point I'm, I'm going to make shots. So, um, yeah, just trying to be aggressive and, and aware of the situations that I can be aggressive and can get a shot because um, I think we saw that there was a few possessions even last night that we get we don't take some shots that are that are good shots because we're trying to get a better shot but then we end up getting stuck in late clock and I said it to Trent a couple of times like Trent was almost getting it was like it was he, him getting stuck with the ball with five seconds a bunch of times so we've uh, we, we've got to take the shots as a team when they're there Um and as unselfish as we are, we've got to take, um, even though we think we can get a better shot sometimes, we've still got to be able to take um, those good shots. So I think a lot of Jazz fans, because they've never won a title, they, they're scarred and they think that if there's something that can go wrong, it will go wrong, and they worry about stuff. And now it seems like the latest worry is, oh, my gosh, things are going well and guys are playing well. But what's going to happen when Conley and Mitchell get back? I mean, what's going to be able to be done to make sure everybody's playing at a high level? How much concern do you have about those guys being able to come back and jump right back into it? Uh, zero. That answer your question. <laughs> yes, it does, and that's what I thought your answer would be. Uh, but I, mean, I don't get—I don't get why people get worry. Exactly. Let's not get it twisted. We won. I don't know how many games in the year before they like say before Donovan did his ankle. What was that record? A record was like I don't know forty something and eight or ten or eleven or something. Like we won all those games with our full team. Like, I missed a couple. Mike might have missed a couple early on. I think Donovan missed one. Um, I think I, like, out of anyone, I think I probably missed the most in that first, like, half of the year with the four games I sat out with my Achilles. Um, so let's not get it to it. Like, there's no magic potion that they're out and we're playing well. Like, we were playing probably better with those guys in our team. Um, like, yeah, we've had to figure out different ways at the moment like Trent's come in and played well um, different guys JB Jarrell's come in and played well swap his kind of swap minutes like these guys have come in and played well and I think I think that's a good thing for our group because if something does happen knock on wood later on in the, the year or in the playoffs we've got guys that are confident to be able to come in and, and, and play meaningful minutes uh, I think Trent's probably the most obvious one to the eye because he's, he's been out there with our main group for, for big stretches um, but 
like JC's had to, to take more responsibility. I'm playing basically full-time point guard, except for when Trent's in the game, uh, which is, is different for me. Um, like George starting it, he, he's played really well. Boyan's um, definitely kind of up his, his level and probably just more his efficiency in taking, taking the shots we wanted him to take early on in the year um, and obviously also making them. Um, but when those guys come back, it doesn't change. I mean, it's, we've got two more pretty pretty special players that are going to come in and be aggressive and play their games, and, and we'll all figure it out. I'll go back to the bench, and George will go back to the bench, and we'll, we'll uh, kind of go back to how we were playing early on um, for that first kind of half, three quarters of the year. You know, I thought there were a couple of really interesting things in that story that ESPN.com did on you and the your your true shooting percentage and all that. There were a couple nuggets in there. And one was you talked about a specific play that bugged you. A coach must have queued it up where uh, Trevor Ariza was in the paint getting ready to take a charge and they throw the ball to you and your three-point shot at that point is so long and so slow that he's able to get all the way out and contest it. And you, your quote sounded like you were horrified. I mean, I, I read it. I didn't hear it. But... Having interviewed you enough here on on your radio show, it just sounded like you were horrified, and there was a big motivator for you to change your game. How de- can you tell people how deep a dive and how detailed these individual film sessions are, and how much some of this stuff sticks with you? Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, one of those things that you like go to bed thinking about because it was my I think it was my first year. It was it was early on in my career, probably my first year or two. Um, and at that point, Trevor was probably in his prime, kind of late 20s, early 30s. Um, and I, I just remember, like, like whoever driving the ball and throwing it to me, and kind of in my mind, like, sweet, I'm going to get a nice, like, open look. Um, and at that stage of my career, I wasn't probably shooting well or I was barely shooting, so to get an open look was nice. And he was, he was literally in the paint, and he... I think he like contested the hell out of it, or he might have even blocked it. Like it was one of those two things that, like, it was almost that welcome to the NBA of like, all right, like I'm not going to get my shot off if I don't speed it up or kind of become more efficient with like the mechanics of catching it and getting it to my my shot pocket and shooting it. And um, yeah, I mean you break it down with coach with your individual coach. Um, and it's, it's an emphasis, I guess, in my what was an emphasis in my, in my shooting sessions going forward of like, if I want to play here and I want to play well and I want to help the team and I want to stay on the court, um, I'm going to have to figure this out. And um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a moment that has stuck with me because I, I still remember it to this day. But yeah, I just had to, I guess, it opened my eyes to like, oh, I'm going to have to put in the work to to get in the gym and, and get my shot off quicker and figure it out. Um, I remember, like, also those first few sessions, like, you're missing a ton of shots because it's, it's not that I changed my technique of my shot, but the, the speed of it needed to be, like, almost, like, <laughs> like double the speed that it was. Like, I would, we've talked about it here, but, like, catch it and kind of drop it down and then bring it back up. It was, like, almost to the point where I'm at now where like wherever I catch it I, I need to shoot it from so um, yeah it was 
a lot of time and effort and um, kind of lonely nights or days just kind of shooting and shooting and repetitive. And, um, but I obviously feel like it got me to the point where I'm at now where if I catch a higher, I can shoot it from there. If I catch a lower, I feel like the speed from getting it from my hip or even like there's been um, passes where they've kind of like got deflected and they bounce to you and they're almost rolling and you've got to like pick it up and shoot it from that position because of the shot clock. So any of those positions at time now, I, I feel like very confident that I can make the shot. But um, yeah, it's a it's a process. I think yeah, everyone goes through it. Whatever level you've played at, there's, there's no um, more athletic or fast or, or whatever league in the world than the NBA. So if you're in the NBL, in college, in Europe, wherever you are, the, the speed is is doubled or tripled or, or whatever it is. So um, yeah, everyone goes through it to a, to a certain extent. Yeah, and we've seen that, and we've that, that that one where you catch it around the neck and be able to shoot it or even higher has really been a phenomenal uh, progression and advancement in your game. I'm wondering about that finger roll that you had. I hadn't seen that or seen that many times. I mean, and it was against the Spurs, and I don't know if you know of a guy named George Gervin who, back in way back, perfected that finger roll. Is that something you practice? Um, I have shot it before. It, I actually thought I was going to be like at the, the position I was um, I was going to like ball fade, I was going to shoot a floater and he kind of backed off even more than big and I realised probably too late that he backed off and I still could have shot a, obviously still could have shot a floater because nobody was there but I just figured a layup's a bit easier and probably a high percentage thing going to shoot a floater, you shoot a floater a little bit too long and coming off the back rim, at least if I lay it up, I've, I've got the rim and the backboard to, to kind of let it roll around and, and hopefully drop in. So, um, yeah, I definitely wasn't planning to shoot that, but at last kind of split second, I realised he dropped off and I just wanted to I wanted to just make a shot, to be honest with you. So whatever I had to do to, for it to go in. Uh, you also talked in that story about as you shorten the motion, and we've seen it, you can now catch a pass right on your forehead and shoot it in one quick motion. It is like the shortest, quickest, most efficient shot I could uh, I could imagine. But I've also seen enough passes hit you in the forehead. I, I'm at the point I don't really believe that's an accident anymore. How much are your teammates dialed into all of this and aware of where you need the ball? And they're really precise with where they throw it. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, little, like, I don't know, like sayings or jokes within the team um, or, or coach, like coach, you guys know coach, coach comes up with like some crazy ass name for like everything. So um, there was one day that I don't know what point it was. It was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5am and hadn't slept. And um, one of those days and he, he came in talking about Throw, like throwing strikes. Like if we if we want to be a good team, we want to obviously help our, our teammates out by passing the ball well for, for me to get Donovan a shot. And, and again, it goes back to a little bit of that is like the, the time that you have to actually shoot the ball. Like it's, if you get a bad pass, it can affect you actually being able to catch and shoot the ball. And we've got, we've got guys that catch and shoot the ball at a, a really high level. I don't know how, what percentage anyone shoots or anything, but... I know for a fact the 
way we shoot the ball at practice and in games, like we've got a team that can, can shoot the ball at a high clip. So if we throw strikes, then we, we're actually like we're obviously about to be able to shoot the ball and, and, and make the make the shots. So um, we put a lot of emphasis at uh, granted we haven't had many practices this year, but um, on, on throwing like so if it's five on zero We'll be like scripting through some offense, going through what we want to run for the next game or whatever it is. And if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass, like we're redoing the offense. Like coaches making the that group go again and like redo the whole like the whole play or set or whatever we're doing. So I mean, guys are dialed into it because we don't have a choice. Like coach is going to hold us accountable to it, which is 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 good and it's. It, like even the players to a certain extent, like sometimes you think coaches overdoing it with some things or like does it does it make that big a difference or, or whatever, but it, it really does. And I think our guys dial into those things and we, we try and be as good as we can at them. I think like the turnovers is, is another one. Like we we do have games of, of high turnover games and some of them it's like we... We are an unselfish team. We're going to move the ball. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to have more turnovers than other teams because we are unselfish. But it's the it's the bad turnovers that hurt you the most. The ones where, like, the, I had one last. Like, I threw it to Rudy in transition and it bounced off his hip or whatever. Like, those ones, like, that was a bad one because, one, Rudy was running full speed and I threw it way too hard. But... Um, that's just an example of a, a bad one. Like if you are driving under the hoop and trying to find Rudy late or trying to kick it out for a better shot or something like that, it's, it's a different turnover to, to a live ball turnover, which gets them in transition. And then we're running back and we have to Euro foul or, or we're giving up an and one because we're late on, on running back in defense. So um, we, we do take pride as a team on those, those little details. Um, and, and I think it makes a difference. You can, roll your eyes sometimes thinking coach is a little crazy but um he he knows what he's talking about and 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 our guys dial in on it dial in on those things and and try and do it when we can so this is a get what you need day for the jazz and joe ingles has everything that he could possibly need what does he want or do on a get what you need day um i literally just drove into the parking lot of the facility right now. I'm sitting in the car park. There's nobody else here. I think Mike uh, Elliott's here and a couple of our trainers. Um, so I dropped Jacob at school, came in, had to speak to you, knuckleheads, and then, yeah, I'll just go in, get some recovery, get some treatment. Um, for me, it's especially with the guys out at the moment, just about the, re- the re- recovery um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, get some recovery in for the next probably couple of hours. I'll be here and then get home by lunchtime, have some lunch with Renee and go pick up the kids from school later, probably take them to the park or out, like in, out, out, out of the backyard or whatever, get in the sun, and um, that'll be about it. So a relaxing day for me. American life for an Australian. I like it. Trying to be as un-American as <laughs> you know me. There's, if, if, if there's going to be one person that's trying to stay uh, stick to his roots of, of Australia, it's me. 
Well, I don't know how you handle here in Australia or down in Australia, but here in America, as guys, we try not to mess up Mother's Day. And I would recommend uh, Pajama Gram or Minky Couture, but for no particular reason. That's just me. Just throwing it out there. That sounds uh, like a cheap, a cheap, uh, quick gift that you forgot it was Mother's Day, and you're like, "Quick, let me go get a blanket." Those are classy, high-end gifts, and bite your tongue. Well, you make sure you take a, you take care of Renee. Renee, I uh, she's probably not listening to this because I don't know what she's doing right now. But uh, like, she's not. She's on the board of uh, Show Up. Though. You should. Uh, everyone should get on board of that. So she's yeah, help. I saw that. What is that about? Um, it's we're with Spencer Cox's wife, um, who's what do they call her? The first lady of Utah or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but basically kind of, uh, unifying, I guess, unifying, um, kids with special needs or disabilities to, to be included with, um, the, the regular kids at, at school. So instead of, the, the school having a basketball team for the special needs kids and a basketball team for the, the I don't even know what you call the regular quote-unquote normal kids. Um, they're unifying them and, and putting them together so that the, the, the special needs kids get to, to blend in with them and, and vice versa. They both get a, a taste of kind of what it's like and, and the, I guess the whole inclusion and, and not letting anyone feel not wanted or unappreciated or, or anything like that. So it's uh, something that obviously we're passionate about with, with Jacob anyway. Um, but to be able to get I think it's in a, a few schools in Utah here, but we're, well, not we, Renee and the board that, that she's on um, with Abby Cox and, and Ash, I think Ryan Smith, uh, Smith's wife is on it as well. Um Trying to get it in basically in every school so that the the option is there and it's um, I mean I think it's something that's extremely important I think not just in in schools but in every workforce and job and company I feel like it someone with autism or invisible disability or whatever it is shouldn't be not included or not looked at for a job just because of of what they're dealing with so um, yeah it's it's pretty cool and it gives. Renee, uh, a hell of a lot of work to do, which she's, she's excited about. I don't know if you follow Abby Cox on social media, and I don't know how much you know about the whole picture with the Bidens and the Carters and all that, but uh, Abby Cox with a hilarious take. I retweeted it, and uh, you can go check it out on Twitter. It'll crack you up. <laughs> you retweeted it to your nine followers? Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you about it so you can retweet it to your million followers and people can enjoy it in multiple hemispheres. Six of your nine followers are in your studio with you right now. Uh, Actually, there's no one in the studio with me. It's still COVID times here. Uh, Well, that sucks for you guys. (laughs) Uh, Not for PK, not so much. It'll change soon. (laughs) Yeah, right? All of us will be back together and we'll get Renee and the kids in the studio. We will, actually. We'll do that for sure. We'll do a live show. That'd be awesome. We're up for it. Cool. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. You get your uh, treatment and your recovery, and uh, we will watch you play the Nuggets, and then we will talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. No, I think we can definitely make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think we can continue to get better, especially on the defensive end and on the, and on the offensive end. Now, I think we haven't reached our full potential yet, and um, especially when Mike comes back, when, when Donovan comes back, you know, I think we'll be a scary team in the playoffs to play against. There's Derek Favors on the big show. Going to get those guys back and be a scary team. Plenty of confidence and optimism right there, PK. Why wouldn't there be? I mean, they've had an excellent regular season. I mean, I was listening to Anthony Davis this morning, and we'll get to that in a minute, and he's talking about how spirits are still high in the Laker locker room. And obviously they've had all sorts of issues there, and the Jazz haven't had near as many. And I don't doubt what Anthony Davis was saying. I believe he was saying what he believes to be true. So if the Lakers have that, then certainly the Jazz should have that in a high abundance. Absolutely. Jazz with the NBA's best record game in front of the Suns. Jazz have the Nuggets tonight on paper or on what are we? We're not doing going on paper, PK. Paper's 20th century. On hardwood. On hardwood. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, this is the best team left on their schedule. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, on paper. Well, just right? no, just by the standings, right? Yep. Doesn't mean that they can't win this comfortably and that they can't lose to somebody who's got a worse record, so you never know about that kind of stuff. But you look at the standings, this is their last game against a team that is going to be at home for the first round of the playoffs. I think this is going to be a great opportunity because Denver is in a situation where they've had the injuries, too. It's funny, they put on... Uh, uh, TNT last night that was watching the Laker Clipper game. They put on injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And for the Jazz, they had Donovan Mitchell, and for the Nuggets, they had uh, Barton and Murray. Okay, Barton and not Conley. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they ran out of space. But if you put in Barton, you bleeping well better put in uh, Conley. I mean, I have no problem putting Murray ahead of Conley as far as what he means to their team for sure. So you look at Denver, and this is their version of what they're going to have. And it's not the full version, but nevertheless, it's the existing version of the team. So they go into Salt Lake and beat the Jazz. That really gives them a confidence boost because their team has been decimated by injury, a significant player, right? Well, if they could beat the Jazz, it gives them a reference point. Sure, it's a serious blow, particularly to the individuals who are out uh, and probably to our team but if we can look back and say hey now the jazz wouldn't be full strength i understand all that but still it's an opportunity for denver to prove something to itself and then i think that i think you said yesterday right if the jazz beat denver tonight then they've clinched a spot they can't be lower than denver yeah that would put them up five games with five to go yeah and and the jazz play three horrific teams down the stretch so i I think if the jazz win this I think they're going to finish in front of the Suns. They're going to have the best record in the NBA. Uh, They won't mathematically clinch it, but I think that when you look at the schedule, that's how it'll play out. And that's what you said about the 
Um, Suns going into Atlanta, and obviously they you know, ran out of gas on a back-to-back early in the third quarter, and that was that. They lost the game. And so given these two teams' schedules down the stretch, you know, if, if, if either of them can just win one or two difficult games, it's going to put them in a great situation, and the Jazz have that opportunity tonight. But Bring the Nuggets, the, Warriors. The, the Nuggets are, yeah, the Jazz have the Warriors later. That could be a problem. No, um, I mean in the playoffs. Oh, you'd see the Warriors as the probable uh, eight seed? Yes. And the Lakers might darn well be the seventh. Now they'll have that play in thing. So that could drop I... the Lakers to eight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Lakers, well, we'll get the Lakers in a second. Uh, I think the thing to know about the Nuggets is despite the fact they've had these horrible injuries, they are 10-2 and two in the last 12 games. Now, so, some of you will hear that and think, oh, man, the Jazz are in for it tonight. And some of you will hear, hey, the Nuggets are due for a loss. You, you shouldn't be this good. You know, so I, I get why you're thinking both those things, and that's why we're all going to watch the game and look forward to it. But the, the Nuggets, you just can't give them enough credit for taking that injury to Murray and then later one to Barton, too, and just – 10 and 2 blowing through it. They did lose to the Warriors and the Lakers. Those are the two teams that, that took them down. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now tries to drive it, fakes the spin in the lane, steps back left of the lane, and scores! Huge finish by Doncic. Draymond not happy. Waiting, gives it to Curry. Curry right side for three. Got it. Above the break three. I think Draymond recognizing that Curry's got it going. Batum to Leonard on the outside. Kawhi wants to go to work on Marquise Morris. Crosses over, driving left, all the way to the rim. A lot of contact, doesn't matter. Kawhi Leonard muscles it through. The ankle was fine. It wasn't bothering me. I uh, locked up pretty bad, so that's uh, really a little better now. See how it is tomorrow. That's Anthony Davis. He didn't leave because of the ankle. He left because the back locked up, and he he played just a few minutes of the start of the game, and he was out. And that's why that that quote you just gave us, PK, about how much optimism there is in the locker room. And I get if you analyze the Lakers at full strength, it's easy to make them the favorite in the West. But as the injuries drag on week after week and as they just don't seem capable of getting back to full strength, I would think that would really wreck the mood. I mean, you're all geared up. It's the Lakers and the Clippers, and you got AD, and he plays nine minutes. He's two for nine. He scores four points, and he sits down. And they're and they're down significant already. I think they're down like 10 or something like that. Whoa. So that's brutal. Nine minutes, nine shots. What's he, Jordan Clarkson? Yeah, getting them, getting those. No, he's got zero assists. Jordan's averaging four assists now over the last few weeks. Yeah, I would uh, disagree to an extent that if they're healthy, it's easy to see them as the favorite. Uh, it's definitely likely, but I don't know how easy it is anymore. Well, easy for them to get through the playoffs and win it. I get your point, but I think that. In most people's minds, they will be the favorite if they are healthy. Yeah, but, but it's not easy. Mm. You don't just automatically go to it. You probably go to it, but I don't think you automatically, without question, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you do that anymore. I mean, here we are. It's gotten too uh, late. Uh, just, yeah, the, the injury's coming back. I mean, we're looking at the Jazz, you know, if these guys can come back healthy. But if the Lakers, well, the Lakers have all their guys, boom. I mean, there seems to be some level of inconsistency there. We wonder if the Jazz can reincorporate their two guys, but the Lakers, they come back. But, yep, yeah, absolutely. And it is, uh, 
If I have that same trepidation about how the Jazz will be, I certainly have to have that trepidation at the Laker level, too. And this may prove to be uh, a horrible take, he says, prefacing his potentially horrible take. Ooh, let but, me sit up. <laughs> yeah, ooh, I love it when DJ has horrible takes. <laughs> Time to feast. Chum the waters. The Jazz injuries still feel like they ought to be healthy in time for the playoffs. The hamstring, okay, I'm not as confident in that as I am in the sprained ankle, but he's still got a couple weeks to get, I mean, the playoffs, what are we, uh, 15, 16 days away from the first playoff game? So the ankle really ought to be healthy. But a back, and with LeBron already having tested his ankle and gone out again, and I saw his ankle injury. His ankle injury was weirder and nastier. You know, bending it inside as opposed to rolling it outside, uh, there's lots of sports you play. You've seen people roll ankles. You probably, you may have even seen it in baseball or softball. You've certainly seen it in basketball, volleyball if you've played it. it the inside, just it just looks nastier. And now he's tried it out, and it hasn't worked, and he's gone back to the sideline. I don't know. I don't know that he's going to be 100%. Clippers, by the way, then just roll over the Lakers, so that became an, the game became an afterthought there. 118-94, easy win for the Clippers as the Clippers and Nuggets battle for the third and fourth seeds in the NBA playoffs here in the Western Conference. So those two locked up. Plenty at stake for Denver in that game tonight. Uh, The other highlights you heard, the Mavericks beat the Nets 113-109. The Nets' defensive issues rearing their head at the end of the game. They they led going to the fourth quarter, but the Mavericks took a seven-point lead, and the Nets were hitting big shots down the stretch, but they could not get stops. And the Mavericks hold on and win the game, 113-109. Luka Doncic, 24 points, 10 rebounds. Dallas picking up a win. And now, Dallas is the five seed. Do you have more confidence in anything else as far as where a team's going to be seeded in the playoffs in the West right now? Then the Nuggets or the Mavericks have five? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. They're a game up on the Lakers who are shorthanded. They're a game up on the Blazers. And I think, well, I think the Mavericks are better than the Blazers. I think you think that too. And they're six games behind fourth place. So it really looks like the Mavs ought to settle into that fifth spot. Well, I think the Warriors at eight. Half game in front of uh, the Grizzlies? Yeah, they'll hold yeah. them off? I think so, yes. Yeah. Indiana Pacers suspended former Jazz player and current Pacers assistant coach Greg Foster. Uh, they find their center, Gogo Bataza. I can't say his name. Bataza. Yak, help me out. I tried to find a pronunciation. I couldn't yeah. find one. So. Well, those two are going at it. and got caught on camera on the court a... Uh, a night ago, team said no further details about the incident or punishments would be released. They called it an internal team matter. Even though Greg's now the court. Greg's now cracking on players. That, yeah, it wasn't that internal, right? Uh, Greg's now cracking on players who uh, aren't focused and aren't dialed in. Uh, how rich is the irony there? You don't think that's what Foster was as a player? That was, I think, what drove Jerry Sloan nuts about him. Really? I, mean, yes. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Had some talent, and he could help, and he played. I think he was with the team four years, and he could shoot it. Uh, you know, he didn't shoot as many three, so he wasn't doing that, but he could step out to 17 feet and all that, but not blocking out here or there, messing up defensive stuff. Yeah, well, maybe it. that's why, though. Uh, maybe now he gets it. Yeah. I mean, and the player told him to shut the F up as because he made a three. Sit he gave up a driving house. right yeah. down the layup. Uh, he played up no defense whatsoever. I've watched it 20 times now. 
And so Foster jumps him. He comes down, hits a three, tells Foster to shut the F up. What do you expect Foster to do? Just sit there? DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. He's conflicted because this man loves to play the game of football. This man loves to be a Green Bay Packer. And this man truly sees um, careers. He's watched friends leave. He watched Brett Favre's career um, towards the end. He's watched all these things play out in front of his eyes. He's taken notes throughout his entire career. He's seen um, some situations that, that didn't feel um, were done or, or finished the way that they could or should have. And he's just trying to take his own destiny within his own hands. And to that effect, I actually admire him because not many players in the NFL have that opportunity. I sure as heck didn't. Uh, I, I played until everybody told me you can't play anymore, and it's a humbling feeling. And Aaron Rodgers has an opportunity to try and you know, take a little bit of that power back. Green Bay Packer fullback John Kuhn right there telling CBS Sports Radio. He's been in conversation with Aaron Rodgers about Rodgers' reported rift with the Packers. So that's where it sits on the daily update. You feel like you're watching a soap opera right now, PK? Now, can you take your destiny into your hands? Isn't your destiny in your destiny and it's going to happen irregardless? Irregardless. But you don't want to accept that it's your destiny. You want to change it. But you don't know if what it is. If you it's truly your it. destiny, you can't change it. But if right, it's just something that could or couldn't happen, some people might consider it your destiny. But Aaron doesn't consider it his destiny. Well, we'll just have to look forward to What are we, um, first week of May here? So we still have uh, over two months before camp starts, right? Yep. Time for plenty of updates on the soap opera. Yeah, you guys give me a call tomorrow. Keep me abreast, okay? Because it's Saturday. Going to skip it. Going to take the day off. I'll call you on the sixth hole. Okay. Detroit Lions have decided that Frank Ragnow's destiny is to get a $54 million contract extension. 54 mil over the next four years. He's 24 years old. Fourth season as a starter, drafted in the first round out of Arkansas in 2018. And he is living the dream, PK. Highest paid center in the NFL. So he must have entered uh, college at 17? Or he played three years. Right, 17, 18, 19. 20. I don't know when his birthday falls. He could have gotten out of 21. Then, yep. This would be his fourth year. He might be turning 25 in a couple months. Well, good months. for him, man. I mean, a, you got to make as much money as you can. You're playing the uh, position where you're getting smacked every single play, obviously. So uh, that, that's great news for, for this young man and his family, for sure. Pro Football Hall of Fame is forming a behavioral health program seeking to address the mental and behavioral health of current and former athletes and their players. The program announced Thursday in Canton, Ohio. It's supported by Hall of Famers like Ronnie Lott, Steve Atwater, Brian Dawkins, Andre Reed, Tim Brown. So, stepping up there to help a lot of former players. I suspect some of those guys, no teammates who either uh, did have issues or are having issues, I would guess. But it's a lot of big names stepping up there. Sure. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football teams can be required to hold at least seven padless practices during the preseason. The number of contact practices will be reduced from 21 to 18 under changes proposed by the NCAA's Oversight Committee. Football Oversight Committee proposal goes to Division I Council for approval this month. It's expected to pass and go into effect next season. 
think it's going to have any impact, PK? Or if it's everybody going from 21 to 18, what does it matter? People maybe are just having more of these practices because uh, they could, and you got to do something to fill the time, and guys are getting paid a lot of money, and they're trying to cross every T, dot every I, solve every problem, coach up every kid. What do you mean? I don't, I don't understand your is question. It, losing these three paddles practices, is it going to lead to worse football? Or were the extra paddles practices really not making that big a difference? Well, I th- I'm not sure. I think you're going to have some coaches, I don't know that they could say it publicly, but they're going to have somebody who's going to say, why don't we just play touch football and yeah. get it over with? Yeah. You know, we're, going to get, we're going to get to that point. Seven, uh, it's interesting because... You end up having a fair amount as the season progresses. But at the start, you know, usually everybody's healthy, ready to go. But as the season wears on, they end up uh, reducing contact because there's a lot of it during the season and injuries and whatnot. So, uh, you know, maybe it could help. Uh, I guess it's, it, it's not an individual basis because obviously there's plenty of players now who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, went through two-a-days and smacked each other all the time, and then they're fine. And yet there's others who have uh, to the point of the ultimate injury. Uh, So I I can't say a blanket statement one way or the other because it's affecting individuals dramatically and radically different. Texas linebacker Jake Ellinger, younger brother of former Lions quarterback or Longhorns quarterback Sam Ellinger, was found dead yesterday in off-campus housing. No cause of death released. Police said the death was not considered suspicious. He'd been seen celebrating with his brother just days ago when the Colts drafted his brother in the sixth round in the NFL draft. Uh, Their father died in 2013 during a triathlon in San Francisco. He had a heart attack at the age of 46 and died on the triathlon course. Well, 20 years old and not suspicious. I mean, it screams one thing. And yeah. It's just awful. Yep, it does. Uh, Kevin Kelly. He's one of the most successful high school football coaches in the country. Well known for his unique approach uh, because he never punts and he almost always onsides kick. Uh, he's jumping from high school to college. Presbyterian College, according to reports, will be the head coach there. Analytics, PK. Analytics say don't punt. Go for it on fourth down. You could get it, and you'll go down and score. And if you get stopped, oh, you might have given up the score anyway. And you might get the stop anyway and get a three and out. It's an interesting strategy. It's really different, but I wouldn't mind seeing somebody at a higher level experiment with it. Maybe well, not on my things, team. Two things. Uh, I don't know about the onside kick. I think the percentages are extremely low on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the punting, yeah. Uh, there's been times that punts just I'm thinking, what are you doing? Why not give it a shot? Uh, if you if you are a wild underdog and you, you punt on your 45-yard line and then the other team gets the ball on their 20, say, and then two plays, they're right where you would be anyway if you wouldn't have gotten the first down. That, that seems stupid, so... It'll be fun to see. Uh, I don't know what uh, Presbyterian, I don't follow Presbyterian, so you'll have to keep me abreast of how they do. But, you know, I've heard of this guy, so sure, why not? Give it a shot. The most aggressive fourth down gambler I've seen was Gary Croton. And that first year when he had Luke Staley, you know, fourth and one and fourth and two, they just didn't punt. <laughs> it was so rare. 
because Staley's averaging, you just know he's going to get four or five yards. And so they kept running the option and running him, and they converted a lot of first downs. And I would think as these offenses get more high-powered, that there ought to be, you know, you got all these analysts. you got to be able to put together, you know, four or five plays that you just know are going to get three to five yards. Just run it up the middle, man. Run it up the middle. (laughs) Probably need to be a little more varied than that in your attack, but I get your point. We're tougher than you. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. McCormick's going the 3-2, and Altuve drives this one deep to left field. It sends back Frazier at the wall, looking up. See you later! Jose Altuve with a go-ahead three-run homer. Astros lead it 5-3. Now a high fly ball hit by Duval. Going back at the fence and looking up at the AutoNation sign and unable to make the play. The ball is out of here into AutoNation Alley. And on the first pitch, a big ball out to right center field. And that one ain't coming back. Joey Otani with the home run right there. The Angels, uh, well, the Angels game kind of overshadowed, I guess, with Albert Pujols. 41 years old, final year of a 10-year, $240 million contract. And they're letting him go, PK, designating him for assignment. Is it all over, or will someone pick him up? He hasn't been hitting much lately. Production's dropping off big time. 41 years old, as you said, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the uh, contract situation is, how much they would have to take on that, versus what the Angels, obviously, are on the obligation for. Uh, there's talk, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the DH in the American League uh, or Cincinnati with losing uh, Votto, where we talked about when he had a fractured mm-hmm. something or other yesterday. Oh. Uh, and so yeah, he's going to play first base. And so obviously uh, our man Pujols, that's what he plays. But he's 41, uh, somewhat sad in, in that, uh, you know, he's got the st- statistics to be a slam dunker as far as the uh, Hall of Fame. There's just no question about it. Uh, so he's been, and he's been, he adopted two kids with Down syndrome, both of them. So obviously his work off the field has just been impressive. Uh, so his resume as far as Hall of Fame is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, superstar. But he just wasn't getting it done, and the Angels got to try to win. And they got Shohei Tani, and this Jared Walsh kid is like a 39th round pick and sort of come out of nowhere, and it's been playing very, very well. So you can see what the Angels were thinking. Now, they took some heat. Well, why couldn't you just let him stay on the team the rest of the season and then retire, blah, 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 as opposed to this is a big-time embarrassment. But this is the way it often happens with legends. You know, if they don't get out early, they end up uh, have a, having a decline. It's just a what level of decline. Angels lost the game to Tampa Bay, uh, and they got swept in the four-game series, 8-3 the final score, and they are now four games under five hundred, last right. in the West. So I, I think yeah. teams are carrying so many pitchers these days. You know, they used to carry 9 or 10. You had 15 or 16 position guys on the roster. And so you could have a guy uh, you know, kind of stashed at the end of bench. You could pinch hit, spot play, and all that, and basically you could kind of bury him and ignore him. But now teams are carrying – at least 11. Some teams carrying uh, 12 or 13 pitchers. 
And so you really can't hide a position guy the same way anymore. You, you really need him to play and produce. Sure. Jose Altuve, 31st birthday, hits a go-ahead three-run homer. Astros beat the Yankees 7-4. I would think that would feel pretty good. You're a small guy. People are looking at you in the, in the middle of this cheating scandal. And Yaka was earlier in the series playing the, the fans uh, chanting stuff at the Astros. So I'm thinking that three-run homer felt pretty good. I mean, it wouldn't in, under any circumstances, but especially in New York with the Yankee fans riding you hard. Uh, I would agree. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, we've got Craig. No, we do David not have Locke. Craig Bullerjack. We have David Locke coming up. And then Ben Golliver, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And the author of Bubble Ball, David Locke at 8.30, Ben Golliver at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, the question of the day. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Derek Favors with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Derek, 48 and 18 at this point. Is this about what you thought this team was capable of? And in addition to that, do you think this team is capable of going deep into the playoffs, contending for a title for real? No, I think we can definitely make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think we can continue to get better, especially on the defensive end and on the offensive end. I think we haven't reached our full potential yet, especially when Mike comes back, when, when Donovan comes back. You know, I think we'll be a scary team in the playoffs. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toes brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Well, PK, we need to thank the good folks at TNT. Need to thank TNT. Need to thank EJ mm-hmm. for picking the Utah Jazz to go to the NBA Finals because Ernie Johnson providing the obvious show topic. That got social media buzzing when he blurted that out on the set last night. Jazz to the NBA Finals. How about that? Reaction, Jazz fans. Some of it, quite predictable. Some of it, I thought, uh, I thought pretty good. Some of it, Jazz fans running scared. All right, let's get to it. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Mark, someone should ask Shaq how he feels about EJ's prediction. <laughs> nice. Well played, Mark. Brian says, Ernie Johnson is a wise man and the voice of reason. Brian uh, says it doesn't matter if they do or they don't pick the Jazz. The Jazz have to finish the deal. It's all on them to win on the co- control on the court. They control their own destiny, not the media. Look at Brian staying grounded. And can you control true. destiny? If it's destiny, it will happen. <laughs> so I don't know that you can control it. Uh, but yeah, but see, the, the, the Jazz fans really uh, enjoy this stuff because. It's it's the constant we get no respect, and then when somebody gives you respect, oh, it doesn't matter. No, obviously it doesn't matter, and it's going to be up to the players in a couple of weeks to get this thing going, and if they're still playing in July, they've got a good shot. If not, it's going to be a disappointment. The great thing about this season with the Jazz is that there's only two ways it can end. 
It can end with the title or it can end in disappointment. And that's a great, great spot to be in. You know, Phoenix, you look at them, and if they don't win the title, well, man, they made such tremendous progress from where they were for 11 years. 11 years, man. It's been since they've been in the postseason, which is shocking because when I was down there and I grew up, they made it every single year. I mean, they were just one of the model teams of doing things right and all that. The smaller market at the time is not nearly as small anymore, but still, uh, they can spin it about progress. And the Jazz, to an extent, can too. But see, I don't think that you need to take another step, meaning so you won the second round, and the next year you come back and get to the third round, and then the next year you get to the finals and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it necessarily needs to work that way. I don't know I don't know that I agree with that. And I know you're going to go cite the, your wheelhouse of the 80s and the 90s. I understand all that. But I still think that it doesn't have to be like that. This team has been a playoff team. And then you add a veteran like Mike Conley, who has been in the playoffs many, many times and has had a lot of success, was in the Final Four when he was in college. So I don't think they need to take incremental steps. So that puts them in the position of being where they are right now. And they're there because they're really good. And I'm sure they've had the best health. But as I've been saying, your health will determine uh, your record. And that record is legitimate irregardless of whether the other team had health. Now, you could argue that if the Lakers or Denver, if they had their health, they would be higher. Fine. Okay, but that doesn't take away from what the Jazz did because you're not playing the Lakers 20 times. You're playing them three times. So it's not like you're padding your win total off of the Lakers' injuries. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're adding to your win total because you're really good. So that puts them in the position of being legitimate. And once you're in this position, there's only two things that can happen. You either win it all or you don't. And if you don't, there's disappointment. But that's where you want to be. It is where you want to be, and it 100% is where they are. Uh, to your point about padding the record and all that, they're, they're basically playing at a 60-win pace here for a full 82-game season. You win 60 games in the NBA, you're a really good team. There are plenty of teams that have won 60 games and not won the title. But the champ is usually in that 60-game win range. And I know everything's weird this year because they aren't going to play the last 10 games and because they played a compact schedule along the way, which has probably cost teams wins just because you have more scheduled losses, you know, the, the way they send you through road trips and stuff. So all that stuff is out there, but I still can't get past the fact that if you're basically playing at a 60-win pace, you got a legit shot at the title. I just think for both the Jazz and the Suns, and it is different for the Suns because they haven't been to the playoffs. And now they're, they're sky high. They're going to be the one or the two seed here in the, in the entire, not just in the West, but in the entire league. So I do wonder if they're going to have more disappointment because as much as we look at the Jazz guys in their 30s and say, well, can they all repeat this next year? The Jazz will need them all to repeat this year. Can they do it? They're saying the same thing about Chris Paul there. So I think that heightens the disappointment because you don't, a lot of times when teams are arriving like the Suns do, they know they've got a three- to five-year window. Or they at least suspect they do. Or they think they do even if they don't. <laughs> but now you can't say you got a five-year window when you got a 36-year-old guy. You just, it's impossible.
Well, you can have a next year window. Uh, and that is true. Chris Paul's stats are not overwhelming. He's not statting yet to uh, impressive lengths, so I think they can do it next year. So for them, they can still spin it. And and, and then one thing, I am I just want so much to have 82 games so we don't have to hear you say they're on a 60-win pace if it was an 82-game season because the pace will be what it is. Your win total will be what it was. I don't think this is a weird season at all. I think this is a real season and with real games and whatnot, everything's the same to me. So, I, I mean, I haven't noticed that when we get there next week that it's going to be 10 games fewer. It just really hasn't seemed to be that way. It's just this is the season. And so, and these will be the playoffs, and the playoffs will be the same and all that stuff, and you go forward and you do what you do there. So, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a regular, regular season. Games come at you fast and furious. So the only thing is they started it later, and it'll end a little bit later. Other than that, to me, it seems extremely normal. And so I'm excited for the postseason. But the Jazz are in a position to where they should be considered to win. And if they don't win at all, it'll be a disappointment. And and you know, people will spin it other other ways to try to soften the blow. But it'll be that. disappointing when they walk off the court. But I, There's I, to, no to way me, I don't it. have a blow. It, it doesn't matter to me. Yep. I mean, so it's it's easy for me to say because uh, I'll be disappointed for them, but I won't be disappointed for myself. TNT's Ernie Johnson picks the Jazz to make the NBA Finals. How about that? Nelly dismisses it all. Still too early. Let's see how Connie and Mitchell are. We need to get out of the first round for sure this year, though. For yeah. sure. For sure. You're going to be the one well, or two seed. You do need to get out of the first round for sure. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, anytime first or second seeds don't get out of the first round. It's a big story. It's a, it really is, yeah. So absolutely they expect him to get out of the first round. I don't know, necessarily know that it will be easy because I appreciate the talent of these teams at the bottom. They don't have big-time consistent talent across the board, but they have some players who possess some big-time talent, whether it's Memphis or – uh, Golden State. I'm not sure who it's going to be and how it's going to play out, but both of those teams have some, you know, they have a collection of decent players, and in some in one case, obviously with the Warriors, they have a superstar. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. With uh, Curry doing what he's been doing for many years, and just so fun to watch and lighten it up. So it's not going to be a breeze, but yeah, that's that's the position that they're in, and it's a position that they should embrace, and I do think it's a position they embrace. The potential playoff opponents, Lakers, Blazers, Warriors, Grizzlies. I suppose there's a slight chance for the Spurs. If the Jazz are the one seed, the Spurs could play their way to eight. Don't think that's going to happen. think it's much more likely. Lakers, Blazers, Warriors, Grizzlies. And to your point, Ja Morant would be like the low-end star you'd be facing, right? Well, I guess you could play the Lakers without their two stars. But Damian Lillard, Steph Curry... Uh, plenty of star power in that uh, six, seven, eight, nine range right now. We don't know who's going to get to six and escape the play-in. Lakers or Blazers, one of them will. One of them will get themselves out of trouble there. All right, more people. I, oh, go ahead. I don't think Eric Johnson will be the last one to pick the Jazz, or the only one. You're probably right on that. That's probably a safe prediction. Uh, a lot of these predictions are going are, are still up in the air because people are waiting to check 
so many key players' health. You know, is Kawhi Leonard going to play 30, at least 30 minutes in every game from now to the end of the season? And is he going to look good doing it? Or is he going to be in trouble? And same questions for AD and for LeBron and for Mitchell and for Conley. I mean, the Nuggets are shorthanded, but we know what their shorthanded is going to look like. So at least there aren't the questions there. But there's questions for a lot of players and a lot of teams here down the stretch. Yes, with the injury situation, but uh, that will be cleared up one way or the other. When we get to, they'll because of the the first week, it'll be focused on the play in, and mm-hmm. then that'll grab the attention, and rightly so, because it'll be fun, and you'll have all that stuff there, so you'll be able to see that for a little bit. But then once that's done, and we regroup, and we have the entire bracket set, at that point, you'll know where you stand. Now, obviously, that could change, and people can get injured along the way. But I think we'll have a pretty good idea. I, I, I don't think that, and I could be completely wrong, but I don't think that once we have the bracket set, so we're done with the play-in and the actual bracket is set, I don't think we'll have a bunch of, uh, of these upper-tier players being game-time decisions, meaning we'll know. Now, they may spin it that way uh, to keep them guessing, but I, don't, I think that's more of a college deal. Uh, keep them guessing as far as uh, don't don't let them know, particularly in football. I mean, Kyle has gone berserko on that because you've seen other teams do it, so why not? Why give the team an advantage? I don't think it's much of an advantage or disadvantage either way because most teams, the way you play is going to determine whether you win or not. But I don't think that's much of a uh, – professional thing that they do so my guess is that uh, we'll know who's in who's out and it won't be well we got to see we'll go through some game day activities and then they'll you know come on and shoot around and then make a decision my guess is we don't do that 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 we'll be in the position where we'll know so the point I'm making is that after the play-in games then when you have your predictions, they'll, they'll seem like at that point they'll be far more legitimate because you'll know exactly who you're going to play in the first round and then you go from there and you know who's available. And I really believe the two Jazz players are going to be available. Colton addressing that very point. He posts, if we, and he puts a, if we, in quotes, if we are healthy, I don't see why not. Colton, Colton's ready to shoot the moon. Go for it. Well, I think you have to be at this pay, at this point. You got, because the, you got the best the, record. Why not? And 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 if you have things clicking, you're awfully tough to beat. That's just the fact. If things are going well, and you could say that for several teams, I understand that when things are going well. You're a really good team. For sure, you could say that about multiple teams just about every year. But we're not talking about multiple teams. We're talking about the Jazz. And with them where they are right now, if they're clicking, they have a legitimate shot. And I know that it seems, what are you talking about? The Jazz going all the way? They've just done it twice in how long they've been in Utah? 40 years now? Uh, it's so hard to do, and it is hard to do. It's funny because, you know, if you're anointed, like for the Lakers, well, it's not hard to do because it seems like you're doing it every other year. So it's almost a birthright. But for uh, two of the places where I spent a lot of time in Phoenix and here, 
it just seems like, oh, wow, it's, this is never going to happen. And when it does happen, it's like you almost have to pinch yourself because you can't believe it. And it, it's uh, interestingly for both franchises, just to get to the finals has happened twice. And that's it. <laughs> that's all you got. And for and you've both had pretty good runs, but that's all you got is two. So it's hard to think that, wow, it's going to happen this year. But it very well could happen this year. I mean, actually, it could happen for both teams this year. Uh-huh. How crazy is that? I'll have such an internal conflict if it's the Jazz versus the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, you'll, except you, I won't. You'll have internal conflict no matter who it is. It won't have anything to do with the Western Finals, but you will have it while the Western Finals are going on. Somebody asked me, a friend of mine lives in California, oh, it's the Sun when the Suns were playing uh, that Friday a couple of weeks ago. So who are you rooting for? I texted it back. Money talks. <laughs> <laughs> What good does a Phoenix win do me? <laughs> yeah, no, really. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got a little college news breaking, and we will tell you about that next. Stay with us. Number one. Make us your number one preset. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Salt City Youth Sports. Registration now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy summer camps. Join us for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag football, fueled by USA football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Well, PK, our own Jake Hatch, taking to Twitter this morning, expecting an announcement from Ryland Jones about his next step in his playing career today. Expectations are he'll leave the University of Utah, enter the transfer portal, and head north to Utah State, per multiple sources. And Josh Newman from the Trib retweeting it, quote-tweeting it, with multiple sources that painted a similar picture to the Salt Lake Tribune in recent days. No small deal here, given the high school career Jones had and his familial ties to the University of Utah. Of course, his uh, dad was a coach and a former assistant coach with a a couple different coaches, actually, and then a couple different staffs, and then also a former player there. And so I think what we're seeing here, which is new, but I guess maybe could be the norm going forward, is – Trade coaches, trade rosters. We're seeing a fair amount of player movement back and forth here between the Utes and Aggies. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can confirm this for about a week now. So, yeah, absolutely. It's out there, and it just seems like it's just a matter of time before that happens because uh, the guards came down from Utah State, and Craig Smith – Craig Smith, uh, I don't know if it's, a, if it's necessarily a negative – uh, but as I understand it in talking with people, uh, when he latches on to someone, he has a sense of loyalty. And what's the guard? Uh, Worcester? What, what's, his, what, what's that kid's name? Raleigh Worcester. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, from Montana. He, he, he uh, Craig Smith loves him. 
And so he's going to be a starter this next season. And so Jones has an opportunity to go. And his dad coached up there, too. His dad is going to be the head coach at uh, Highland High, as I understand it. Chris Jones is one of the – one of the better dudes that I know. I've known him for a long time, just as solid as they can be. And he deserves to be coaching somewhere, basketball in Utah, because he's got Utah roots all the way to the core. And just to, I can't say enough about Chris Jones and how much I like the guy. Uh, and his son has an opportunity, if he chooses to do this, I think he will, to go up there and, and make a mark. And that's good. I think Chris would have liked to have been at the Utah State staff but uh, we know that most of his staff that uh, Odom is taking with him is coming from uh, the East Coast in Baltimore. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to happen, and it's a good move for Ryland to get an opportunity to stay in state and have his family around. He's a family kid and all that stuff uh, with his parents there, basketball family in the state. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's just – College basketball, it's just the way it's going to be. You know, this is just a local example. But uh, so many kids changing teams and all this stuff. It's its really, really crazy. its And Dick Vitale has taken to social media and has been strong in how he thinks it's, it's really hurting the game. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, he's got a point. Well, there's no doubt he has a point. But what are you going to do? Is, is it something that you can legislate and don't allow the kids to do what they think is best? And, and usually they're acting in concert with their parents or some, you know, some form of advisors. Uh, so would you say, no, you can't do it? Because we're seeing it that the Utah State, uh, once Craig Smith leaves, you know, he takes a significant amount of guys with him. But then you see guys leaving where Odom coached coming out with him. So... You can't get too upset if you're an Aggie fan. Your coach is doing the same thing. It doesn't feel yeah. good having it done to you, but your coach right. is doing the same thing. And it's not just these two guys. And it's not, no, not just a coach-driven thing. There are coaches staying put who are seeing players. Okay, some of the players leave and they want them to leave. And they may have helped push them out the door. But other times they're seeing players leave and, I was planning on starting you. Don't leave. you know. And they got to deal with that. But for the... For the kids and for their families and whoever's helping them make decisions, it's normal. They've done this in AAU for years. Now you can do it in college. Why wouldn't you? Well, what it reminds me of, uh, I didn't cover junior colleges here in Utah, but down in California I did. Uh, and and they, they basically have no rules. So you would see kids, uh, rosters would change dramatically. Now they're going to change just by virtue of only being a two-year institution. But from, from one year to the next. You didn't count on freshmen being back for their sophomore year. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, they could just, because they can go anywhere and there was no and the schools penalty are or so, form of redshirting or yeah. what have you. And the schools are so close together down there. Yeah, it was easy. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. From Long Beach City to Harbor College to El Camino to they just they would bounce around like crazy. Donnie Daniels is the coach at Harbor College, which is one of the colleges, uh, junior colleges that uh, I had responsibility for. So pretty good brand of basketball, but it would be all over the place. So I, I, I've thought about this. Like, what can you do? Is there anything you do? I don't know that there's anything that you can do. Uh, as far as reducing the issue, the issue is here to stay. I think what can help is that having the kids being able to go to the NBA out of high school 
if that's what they choose. I think I think that actually helps the college game rather than hurt it. And people always say, what are you talking about? Well, because you get some of these kids coming in there, and it's like a stopover. And it's like, well, how are you helping me for next year in my draft status? And it's Dave Rose has talked to me about this at length, you know, where there's, you got to focus on the team, but so much of the focus has been removed from the team. And maybe if they just went to the NBA and got drafted or went in the G League or whatever it might be, then maybe you could bring more of the focus back on the team. So maybe that could help. So I thought that the what you say about the NBA thing was going to be a big positive, but the guys who aren't NBA guys aren't that focused on the team. If, if they're better, I mean, we're, see, who is the guy who's coming to Utah from UNLV who's on his third school? I'm blanking on his name now. Um, you know, but it, it's a case, it's a clear case of every school he's moved to, it's he was undervalued or he's a late bloomer, one or the other. And every time he moves, he's going to a higher level of competition, which whether that gets him in the NBA or not, we'll see. But it could get him to a higher level in Europe or, you know, somewhere overseas, maybe goes to Asia or I don't know. You know there's so many places you can go. Players have gone to South America and Australia. You can go anywhere and play. So... It's, it's transactional for everybody. And I think that's where Dick Vitale is right. It's like the fan bases aren't going to latch onto a player who's at a school three or four years if guys aren't at schools three or four years. It's always like, nah, I don't know who these guys are, but as long as they come in and win, I'll be interested. That's not the same level of buy-in. And I, I get it when people, and this is a pro thing too, um, hey, I don't have to do any of the PR and we don't care about the feel-good stuff and the bonding and all that because if you win, they come. Winning's the biggest part of the puzzle. If you win, they come. Well, from an individual perspective, I get why you say that, but if you're in a 30 or 32-team league, everybody can't go to the NBA and NFL playoffs. Everybody can't go to the NCAA basketball tournament as an industry, and that's how Dick Vitale's looking at it. It's like, okay, so... You're going to have 60-whatever teams that are pretty excited to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, even some of those 68 may think, yeah, we're in, but we're not seated. As, you know, if Kentucky's an eight seed, they're not excited. So we'll have however many teams are excited about the NCAA tournament. Uh, but these other two or 300 teams, man, why, why is anybody going to care? Yeah, you're talking about Jenkins, the kid. I believe that's who you were yeah. uh, referencing. Who's coming, coming from, up from Vegas. Vegas, and where was he before that? Do you know uh, if you have South his... Dakota State? Right. So everything's an upgrade. Everything's perceived as a higher league and a bigger program. And, and good for him. You know, everything is transactional, and he's setting himself up to make money playing pro basketball somewhere. More eyes will be on him. Bigger stage. Bigger opportunity. But I get why Dick Vitale says it. You know, for one school, it may make sense. But for the industry, it looks like it hurts. I don't see how it doesn't. All right, DJ PK coming up. David Locke's going to join us at 8.30. Yak, you got the Michael Buffer ready to rumble thing going there? We'll have it. Nice. You looking forward to it, PK? Oh, for sure. I Steel cage match. <laughs> Me versus Locke on the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
Mother's Day is this Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Miki Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for Zone listeners, helping you get a ride on Mother's Day. 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Miki Couture for Mother's Day. Question of the day, PK. Ernie Johnson of TNT picks the Jazz to make the NBA Finals. How about that? <laughs> Space Loser at Maddie V Star says it's popular for talking heads to bash the Jazz or discredit them. We're not immediately Whoa. taking their side, but we're acknowledging that they are finally giving us credit. Why should we give they credit, Maddie, when it's one guy? And give him credit. Continue to bash all the other talking heads. It's popular for talking heads. You're telling me David Byrne thinks the Jazz are going to go all the way? Ha, <laughs> nice. Good pull. Some 80s music for you people. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit for being Letting honest. the days go by. All right. <laughs> wow, look at you go. <laughs> Might have listened to some talking heads back in the day. Hey, if the Jazz win it all, this will be a party. This will be a disco. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. How <laughs> bad. Burning down the house. <laughs> All right. All right, so here we go. <clears throat> Lots of you reacting to this. And uh, Kyoto Combat. Is that a video game reference that I don't know about? Because I'm listening to Talking Heads from the 80s. Jazz fans, when they hear a talking head talk poorly about the jazz, quote, why did they let these guys on TV? Jazz fans, when they hear the same talking head talking good about the jazz, this guy's the smartest guy in broadcasting. Yeah, there's definitely some of that going on. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's like politics. You're uh, my guy. I, You're not my guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Roar! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this Romney thing being booed has uh, attracted national attention. Yeah. All right. Well, if you voted for Romney and you support Trump, you you don't like the you don't like Romney. But if you didn't like Trump, oh Romney, Romney's just man. He's a principled man. He has integrity. He doesn't let party affiliation get in the way. Blah 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 blah. It it depends on if you tell me if you like Romney and if you don't. Well, then I know what you think of Trump. It's all politics. Now politics is like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. And it's the same thing with predictions. If you like the prediction, wow, man, that's shrewd. You don't, well, what? Shaq doesn't think the Jazz are going to win. Shaq's a bum. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, legitimately, how many, I don't, I don't know, whatever the next show is. It could be one of the TNT guys. It could be somebody on ESPN. It could be somebody writing for your favorite website. Everybody's got to make a pick. It's, you know, it's part of what you got to do. So you make the pick. If they pick a team, how, how many teams, PK, could they pick right now? And you would say, okay, he's not just throwing darts at the wall, going for the clicks, trying to be outrageous. That team, it's legit if someone picks that team. Because I think the number right now, the number is usually two or three, and I think that number is ballooned. I've got a, I've got a couple numbers in mind, kind of the range, right? Five. Five, I think, is on the low end of what is legit right now. I can see I, going to eight and P and not eight. being ridiculous. 
No, that's ridiculous. So you're Eight? not letting people pick Denver or Milwaukee, right? No. Okay, because no. that to get to eight, you have to let in the De- you have to let in Denver, Milwaukee. Ag- agreed. Okay, so to get to five, though, you could pick the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nets or the Jazz or the Suns, right? No, no, I put Sixers. So, so who'd you kick out of five then? Phoenix. Oh, okay. So Phoenix would be Team Six, but see, Phoenix, Phoenix can end up with the best record in the NBA. Why are they not a legit pick? That. I mean, the Jazz. Just, getting the best record in the NBA doesn't necessarily mean you go to the finals. I agree. There, there's lots of examples that that is true. So that is a true statement. And Fact. I'm not necessarily sold on Philly, but somebody's got to come out of the East. And if you're in the NBA finals, you've got a shot. Right? You're mm-hmm. going to have a team coming out of the East. Whether they're good or not, it doesn't matter. And to me, Philly and the Nets, they're the two logical ones. They're the only two that I can come up with. Them, Milwaukee, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked, but I, I just I have not been sold on Milwaukee, and it's not now. I said it last year, too. You remember I said it. I, I just don't think they're that good. Too top-heavy, not enough firepower, not yeah. enough depth. Yeah, and they got a great player and a mm, pretty good player. Middleton's okay, and then everybody else. I mean, they belong in the NBA. I understand that, but they don't really do anything for me. So, uh, but the East is not a powerhouse, so maybe they can come out. And I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, which is not going to be the last time. And I know people (laughs) are screaming at me that I probably do it all the time every day, but because I don't believe that the Jazz need to take incremental steps in the playoffs. I believe they've been in the playoffs a number of times, and they add Conley to the mix, and he's been in the playoffs a number of times. So I don't think that they need to win a couple of rounds before they can get to the finals. So I don't think they need to do that. I think they're primed right now. The window is right now. It's open right now. So with that in mind, I still think that Phoenix – needs to have some form of playoff experience. At least all the Jazz guys have playoff experience. Unless I'm missing somebody, they're not going to run somebody out there who doesn't have any playoff experience. Whereas the Suns, they have several guys who have zero playoff experience. Booker, Ayton, Bridges, Cam Johnson, guys who play critical minutes for that team have zero playoff experience. I think that's too much to ask. With the Jazz being who they are, and their youngest dude is a four-year veteran who's been the face of the franchise basically since day one in Mitchell to the point he's speaking at the commencement for the U of U. Great pick. I'm sure, and I read what he said and great talk and all that stuff. But the point being that even though he's 24, he has been thrust in a leadership role on and off the floor for this team for a number of years. So he's a savvy veteran even though he's still a kid. And I think that that – combined with the playoff experience and combined with losing in the playoffs too has made them a little bit tougher, a little bit more mentally tougher for sure. Plus the talent that they have and the team that they put on there. I think they can overcome the fact that they don't have a ton of playoff success, even though I think they all have a fair amount of playoff experience. So I think, I think there's a difference between the Suns and the Jazz. Although, if the Jazz don't make it, I'll be the first to say I want to see Phoenix make it. Get a fresh face in there would be cool. You like the fresh face in the East, too? I guess Philly would count as a fresh face. They haven't been to the finals since Iverson. Uh, The Nets aren't fresh faces. It's a fresh team, 
but you know they got three guys who've been among the NBA's elite, and two of them have won titles. Yes. So fresh face is kind of debatable when you're putting together a super team. Right, exactly. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. I, Milwaukee Phoenix. If it can't be the Jazz, I'll watch Milwaukee Phoenix. I know Milwaukee a lot of the Phoenix. country. A lot of the country will grumble. There will be much grumbling and probably lower ratings, right? Because more people are going to watch the Lakers that. play the sure, Nets. I understand that. But I, I don't care. care I, I'm all about the Suns and Bucks. I, there's the, never the been the an NBA Finals it. that I didn't watch. Yeah, right. So I mean, I've watched. I watched the Super Bowl. I watched the World Series. Blah blah blah. It's just I'm a sports fan. So I don't care about ratings. I never have cared about ratings. I care what I want to watch. And the ratings, to me, matter the most. So do you want two fresh faces, or do you want one Cinderella trying to take down a big dog? Because in sports, Cinderella trying to take down the big dog is always, to me, is always an attractive look. As opposed to two Cinderellas. Yeah, but I don't don't really care. The the, the playoffs are that they are that, and whoever advances, because I'm not... I don't get worked up on individual teams, so that's just not who I am. So I'm fine with whomever. It does, it just doesn't matter. And I suppose, you know, I have Phoenix roots, and so I would like to see that. I mean, I have Jersey roots too, but what does that mean? And so if Brooklyn gets in there and they played for a number of years at Jersey and Harden went to issue and Nash – Nash is beloved in the Valley of the Sun. So there's all sorts of stuff. That's why I normally don't get that. That's why I've always said that I don't root for the guys to go on. Oh, Alex Smith's from the U, so I have to root for him. Well, suppose he's playing against somebody who has two or three guys from the U on their team. What do I do then? So that's why I just they play, they play, and the winner wins and the loser doesn't. So I'm fine with whomever. But sure, if you want storyline, uh, I, I get the 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 Chris Paul storyline would be a great storyline. He's been a marquee player for a number of years, right? He does national commercials, and if you should and and Monty Williams, I love Monty Williams. Guy asked him, I meant to tell you this yesterday. So I'm listening, and I listen to Phoenix Radio when I go to the gym. I've said that a million times, and they they play the Zoom stuff just like we do, mm-hmm. and a reporter. Must I think it was a television guy down there says uh, after they lost to Atlanta, he says, all right, Monty, you know, now you've got these six games and they're all against playoff teams and and uh, blah, blah, blah. And he goes through the list and how tough it is and yada, yada. And then uh, Monty, it's time for him to respond. He says, well, every one of those teams has to play the Phoenix Suns. (laughs) <laughs> That's the and I, Monty ride the freak on, man. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. And Monty Williams has got a story to tell: losing his wife in a tragic car accident where she was killed. And if you ever have an opportunity, Google his. Uh, what do they call that uh, when they give the talk eulogy? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You want a Christian man up there? He exemplified everything, and I just use the Christian faith because that's what he is. But uh, you, I would have just, uh, I couldn't have done it. I would have been so bitter. And he's up there talking about forgiveness and stuff. And his wife is in a coffin in front of him. What a blow. But yet he's such, such dignity. So if you're not a Monty Williams fan, something is absolutely wrong with you. So the point I'm making is really no matter who it is, you can build some storylines in there. Except the Lakers. I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm tired of them. All right, DJ PK coming up. We got David Locke. And then after that, we have jazz tickets to give away, PK. Ready to give away Wait. some jazz tickets? What what game? Yuck. Which game? Tonight's game. 
Denver oh, Nuggets. Even better. Friday night. Yeah. Friday night. You didn't have plans. You're about to. Friday night's all right for fighting and watching the Jazz. So we'll give away the <laughs> we'll give away tickets uh, after we talk to David Locke coming up at about eight fifty. So in about thirty minutes, we'll give away Jazz tickets, and then we got more tickets to give away in the nine o'clock hour as well. And we also got Ben Golliver, national writer for the Washington Post and author of Bubble Ball, coming up at nine o'clock. Uh, next, though, David Locke. He and I are going to talk turnover, steel cage match. Let's get ready to rumble. We'll do that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Derek Favors with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Derek, 48 and 18 at this point. Is this about what you thought this team was capable of? And in addition to that, do you think this team is capable of going deep into the playoffs, contending for a title for real? No, I think we can definitely make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think we can continue to get better, especially on the defensive end and on the offensive end. I think we haven't reached our full potential yet, especially when Mike comes back, when, when Donovan comes back. You know, I think we'll be a scary team in the playoffs. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Live ball turnovers, which is opponent steals, and particularly live ball turnovers above the free throw line lead to automatic baskets are problematic. We've gotten better at that because with transition defense, it's gotten better. We used to be a bottom 10 team. We're now top 10 team transition defense. I heard the morning show was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a great night. There's David Locke. He joins us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He doesn't join us now. Yak is still on the phone. Are you talking to David or is it ringing and he won't pick up? Because you, you played it. There's the powder keg right there. You lit the fuse. Now no answer. Well, great. He wants no part of you, man. No, he doesn't. And I've got a lot of things to say, but I don't want to say them until he's on the line. Then I'm just going to have to repeat myself. <laughs> he knows it was coming. I talked to him. Oh, I think he's looking forward I, to it. I think he loves this I stuff. Texted him. I think he lives for this stuff. He's loving it. This will be like his favorite appearance in weeks. Call the morning show and tell, tell them they're wrong. wrong. I'm David Locke. I'm the authority. (laughs) (laughs) There's people on the team that might think we're wrong, too. I know. But you dig in your heels, man. I'm going to. I'm going to. Great. I like that even better. Finally. Ah. Anticipation. Sing that song. Wasn't it a catch-up commercial? Yes. David Ock's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you weren't on the air, but I just said he's looking forward to it. This is going to be his favorite appearance in weeks. Am I right? <laughs> well, I mean, I love talking to you guys every morning, so I mean, uh, that's okay. not any different. You know why? We I mean, just played the clip of you uh, telling people to call the morning show and tell us we're wrong. I, it, I, you know, I, I apologize. I heard the morning I, show I was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> I've been informed that it was not the morning show. It was just David James. Yes. <laughs> Which you would know if know you listen to the show. I don't know. I don't know who informed me of that, but it's, I've been informed. Oh, that, that was probably PK. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say it. right here before we get into it, what you're doing here, I, I am used to because you, you owe PK money. Pay the man. I, you are what? stealing his shtick. Oh. This is classic PK. You take a shred of truth. You make your own argument. You hit somebody else with it after having defined the argument the way you want. And then you just step back and watch the smoke bellow. I, I mean, this is classic PK. Possibly do any. All right. So let me look. Oh, we're third in the NBA offensively. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good. I feel better if they were first. So we're third best in shooting. Yes. How do you feel about that? Good. Okay. Good. Feel okay, good. 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 Okay. Keep going. You're making my argument um, for me. I'm loving this. San Antonio is 18th in league offensively. How do you feel about that? Uh, I felt really good when the Jazz were beating the snot out of San Antonio for 96 minutes. Because <laughs> they don't, they they never turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma City is last in the league offensively. How do you feel about that? Awesome. So you don't want to be on either end of the spectrum on turnovers, right? But being in the middle and being 19th, like we were 25th and 26th, that wasn't great. Like, you kind of didn't want to be in on the either end of the spectrum. Um, and this year, interestingly, there is actually a higher correlation between super high turnover teams and bad offense. That actually has not always been the case this year, more so than before. That does seem to be the case. Um, we've got some pretty bad teams that are down there. It's interesting. Um, you know, the Lakers actually are the one that's most interesting. They turn it out. They're the third highest rate of turnover in the league. Their offense is only 23rd. Um, but they have not always been a great team this year, so maybe that's, you know, they haven't had great players on the floor all the time. Um, but the truth on this is you actually just, all data shows you want to be kind of in the middle of the world. You don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. Right. If you're on one end of the spectrum, you're probably very heavy isolation, not a lot of ball movement. And the easiest way to reduce turnovers is not pass, right? That eliminates a big source of turnovers. If right. you were listening so, that morning, which you weren't, and that's part of the problem, is that you know you heard what you were told. Uh, I said, I trust. I, I mean, I trust my listeners to always give okay. me a complete and full story. Uh, we were talking about the turnovers. That I don't really care when they have ten or fifteen turnovers, but these games where they get to eighteen or twenty turnovers, and you said a long time ago, and you're totally right about this, is that you know when you get three seconds in the key, when you get uh, traveling, when you get an offensive charge. It's a turnover, but you get to set your defense. You get Rudy Gobert back in the middle of the paint. You get everybody matched up. It's not as big a problem. But the live ball turnovers, especially above the free throw line, and when they get to 18 to 20 of them, they have them. And in some they games in the 6 eight, and 6 stretch. 18 or 20 live ball turnovers all year. Well, of course, when you have 18 or 20 in a game, it's a mix of offensive fouls, so travels, and favor. live ball turnovers. Then do me a favor don't talk about turnovers. Talk about opponent steals. Because you're you, I'll do you a favor. But Thank you. That's the, the number that matters. The 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 turnovers. We had, we had Joe point. Ingles on. Wait, wait, and can PK's, we make sure that everybody got that? What? The the number that matters is opponent bonus, steals. Yes. When you turn the ball over in the game, they steal it, and they get to break two on one or three on two. Occasionally. 
like with the Kings, Rudy has a chance to get back, and it's two on two, and he looks at one guy, and that guy passes to the second guy, and the second guy looks at Rudy, and he passes to someone trailing, and they end up taking an 18-footer, which they actually made, so they scored in that possession. But Rudy was literally flexing and celebrating the paint like, none of you want any piece of me. <laughs> that, but that doesn't usually happen. Usually it's two on one, and it's a bucket. Well, our transition defense is actually not any different than our half-court defense. It's, it's hard to blame the transition defense when the guys are behind the ball from the second it's turned over. Well, our transition defense is good when Rudy Gobert's back, and our half-court defense is good, good. when Rudy, Rudy Gobert's, Gobert's back. <laughs> but I mean, that's really, Quinn, that's Quinn. Really what it, the problem with transition defense is that Rudy's probably rolled to the rim, and now they're going the other way. Quinn loses okay. it on the turnovers at practice. You know that because a long time ago you used to be at practices. You're not yeah. anymore. But Joe, unprompted by us, hit him with what Joe said this week when we were asking about something else, and, and he went to it. We've got little like sayings or jokes within the team. Coach comes up with some crazy-ass name for like everything. There was one day that I'm assuming it was after we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5 a.m. and hadn't slept and he came in talking about throwing strikes. We'll be scripting through some offense, going through what we want to run for the next game. And if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass, coach is making that group go again and redo the whole play or set or whatever we're doing. Joe's not making stuff up. That was just on the money all the way. And that was because of a question not about turnovers, not live ball turnovers. That was a question about the number of his teammates that are now hitting his forehead with passes. His shooting pocket is now at his forehead. He's got this new quick release, and it's deadly. And he dropped that. I win, Locke! I win! (laughs) Well, but I actually think Quinn's touching on something very different. He's touching on live ball turnovers, even though... Joe says the no, 30 turnovers. No, I don't actually think he is. I really? Think he's talking about act- so the essence of this team is it's a catch-and-shoot team. And that's what makes us great. And the numbers on our catch-and-shoot are just astronomical. Like, it's just silly if you pull up our catch-and-shoot numbers, which I will in just a second. Um, and so what he's really talking about there is if you're being lazy with your passes and you're off the shooting pocket for your players, you're taking away our greatest strength. So our catch-and-shoot numbers from three, Joe Ingles 51%, Donovan 43%, George Niang 43%. Remember, these all count for three, so just times them by, times them by three to get there. Like, if you think about them as twos, this is actually, we'll do this. Well, we'll, here's the numbers if you think about them as twos, okay? Joe Ingles 76%, Donovan 64%, George 64%, Mike Conley 61%, Royce O'Neal 59%, Boyan Bogdanovich 58%, and Jordan Clarkson 56% on catch-and-shoot threes. That's what our whole premise of our offense is based on. Early offense threes, late get in the blender, get the advantage, kick it. The minute you get an open look, shoot the flipping ball (laughs) and make it a good pass so that you shoot it. Don't bypass good looks. So there it is. Did you dump me and take me off the air? Where'd you go? No, I was just letting what you said. It was truth. I was letting it settle in. I was letting people absorb it. Let me, let me, on this, on the data that we're talking about, because I, I, I do, I actually was having a great conversation with someone yesterday, and we were talking about how stupid the phrase advanced analytics is. And I was sharing that I've been criticized for a great deal of my career for the fact that I use these supposedly advanced metrics numbers. And I said, what drives me crazy about that is my job is to tell a story 
and the numbers that are out there don't tell that are traditional don't tell an accurate story and so it I don't know why we're criticized for trying to tell an accurate story. And these are not advanced analytics. In fact, there's no advanced anything that's being used. It's like we're not using algebra or calculus. Like it's division. So there's nothing advanced about it. All the arrogant little beeps that out there that decide they want to act like they're poindexter smart because they got their butts kicked by athletes their whole lives and want to act like, I don't know why they're doing it. I'm just making this up. But, um, you know, and act like they're super smart. And so they called it advanced analytics, did a huge damage to it. The other number that's just a ridiculously bad number is points off turnovers. It needs to be points off steals. But if we commit a three-second violation because Rudy's in the post or Rudy gets called for a travel or an offensive foul and we go set our defense, that is not a point off a turnover. Yeah, I can see your point. The website Impredictable if you're interested, does a very good job with this and actually has taken it out and has live ball turnovers versus um, real turnover, dead ball turnovers. Unpredictable. I-N and unpredictable. I think these live ball turnovers are going to be critical when they play a team. Let's say they play the Lakers and the Lakers are at reasonably full strength. Maybe LeBron's only 80% or whatever, but you get the point. You've talked about how great the Laker defense is and how hard it will be for the Jazz if they're not getting points in transition. If you're going against the Laker defense when it's set up, you're in trouble. They got length. They got a smart coach who's really invested in defense, and they're highly motivated. It's going to be a problem. And I just think the Jazz, if they are giving the Lakers free points with these live ball turnovers and sloppy passing and not throwing strikes, as Quinn says, then their odds of winning that series go right in the dumper. So, okay, I'm with you a little bit on this, but we're heading back into this realm that I think is a little funky. Uh, Sure, if we can can avoid live ball turnovers, that's great. But the other part of what we do is we get catch-and-shoot threes. We just talked about How do you get catch-and-shoot threes? Pass the ball. Drive into traffic, move the ball, swing it around. How do you turn it over? Drive the ball into traffic, pass the ball, swing it around. Right. So, like, we can get rid of the live ball turnovers, and we could just be horse crap, too. But the point is to be the to to beat the Lakers and to get to the conference finals, well, the NBA the finals, and win it all. You're going to have to be great. Yeah, right. You're going to have to take the risk and get the reward, and you're going to have to you're going to have to win way more of those little battles than you lose. Okay. And there what are times the live ball turnovers. Of opposing, what percentage of opposing possessions do you think are live ball turnovers? I have no idea what you just said, let alone be able to figure out the answer. <laughs> so what percentage of opponents' possessions do you think are coming off a live ball turnover? A very small number. 8%. Right, but you're the one who told us if, if, if a team gets five of those in a game and gets ten free points, you're probably sunk. Right. And yeah, in this okay. stretch when the Jazz went 6-6, six and six, a couple of those games, that's exactly why they lost. I was watching the game, sitting home watching the game, and your voice was ringing in my head. This is that, I mean, exactly what Locke was talking about. It's a fatal turnover, and it's above-the-break turnover. Yep. Certainly. But, like, let's also get, do you want to know the team that has the lowest live ball turnover rate in the league? Well, yet I don't care about them. 
<laughs> I just don't. Because I watch the Jazz and all the stuff you've said they're good at. There aren't that many ways to beat the Jazz. These guys have only been beaten 18 times this year, and some of them are scheduled. The league gives you nine road games in a 10-game stretch. You're going to drop some games. If you lose two of your three All-Stars for a stretch of games, you're going to drop some games. Right? right so there aren't that many ways to beat the Jazz. Here's what's bothering me about this conversation. Yeah. Here's what's bothering me about this conversation. It's a neat conversation to say, well, we've got to stop our live ball tournaments. Sure, we do. Mm-hmm. But, like, pragmatically, how are you doing that? Well, Without Quinn is... reducing who we are as a team... Quinn's been asked ...and losing this. all of our strengths. Quinn's been asked this multiple times. I've seen him say it multiple times. He says... It's as simple as don't throw the ball to the guy on the other team because some of these turnovers have been horrifically soft. Literally, there's a guy standing in the passing lane and somebody throws the ball, and multiple players have been guilty of it. Right, right up to Donovan, who's obviously the best player on the team and driving the offense. You know, Rudy drives the defense, but he drives the offense. And it was, I don't know if it was in Washington or when they played Toronto and Tampa, you know, the ball in the backcourt and threw a 40 foot pass right to a guy. And sometimes the camera catches Quinn, and he's just, like, looking at the floor. It's a Lavelle Edwards, I'm looking at the floor because I don't want everybody to see what is written all over my face. It's not productive. So I feel like the guy who does it more than anyone else mm-hmm. is Joe. He drives the lane. He gets caught in the air. The pass out to the corner is not available because they've sagged down. He can't get to Rudy. He's in the air, and he tries to hook it back out up top. He gets yeah. intercepted the other way. Joe is also a top 10 in the NBA pick and roll player. Like I just am a, I, I understand what everyone's saying and I'm not saying they don't matter. And I'm saying you, and I'm not saying like you don't want to be on the fringes, mm-hmm. but I think they have to be looked at as an ingredient in the pie. And the pie right now has us as the third best offensive team in the league. And as Joe is one of the top 10 pick and roll players in the league, like, Jordan Clarkson doesn't turn it over. He also doesn't pass. Uh, you know, he's up to averaging four assists a game. I'm over saying seven it games. with a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, like, no, but he's changing. PK, PK demanded on the radio one morning, and literally it happened. It was the no, freakiest he went, thing. He went too far, and he circled back. He's great. He's a great <laughs> teammate. Like he's, I mean, like he's, one, he's a truly awesome teammate, and so he's very aware of people around him, and he's just an incredible human, like just how interesting he is. And so he's not a jerk. And so, yeah, he went too far for a little while during the stretch of the season, and he's brought it back. Good for him. Like, uh, I really was fully tongue-in-cheek there, trying to, like, lighten the conversation a little bit. But I just think that that's, like, we just have to look at live ball turnovers are not good, but, like, there's butter in my chicken pot pie, and that's not good for me either. (laughs) But my chicken pot pie is freaking great. I've never been a chicken pot pie fan. And our offense is a chicken pot pie that is awesome. All right, PK, we beat this into the ground. What do you want to know other than this? I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, this just You were uh, looking forward to it. I don't want to disappoint you. You you two guys, man, can just go around and around. My head's spinning. Uh, and, and I've been having some internal conflict myself with this number one seed because I thought, well, two with health doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But now I've, I keep going back and forth. As of right now today – I think the number one seed really matters. What do you think? Oh, I think it changed last night. I think it became wildly important. Which is why I went as of today. Yeah, I mean, I think the chances, you know, it's not set and a lot can change. But the most likely scenario, well, it's 
become all almost impossible if the Lakers are the five seed. Right. Agreed. It's going to okay. be the Mavs. Right. So the Mavs are the five seed. Yeah. Now, whether we really want to play Luka over the Lakers right now, I actually think is semi-debatable. Like, I, I'm actually moving toward, at some point, a team that has just not played together and not been healthy all year long just does not click back in. Like, they're, the Lakers, are, I feel like they're actually teasing me just far enough to make me believe. Like, you know, I asked the Lakers to the prom, and they actually, you know, I think probably maybe. And now I'm believing that that's a yes. Um, because I think that like they, it's just like when AD went out last night, I was just like, okay, like it's just, and then the weird quote by Frank Vogel after the game. And it just feels like there's just an, and their locker room quotes of four nights before were really bad. It just feels like and Andre Drummond's not good. And like, you know, I think there's just enough there that I'm actually beginning to think, you know what, part of the reason the Lakers are going to be sixth or seventh is because right now they're actually the sixth or seventh best team. Now they get LeBron and AD back, and they're all healthy, and everything's perfect and copacetic like it was last year, and that changes. But I'm not totally convinced that that, that actually happens. So I think, you know, I'm not sure I'd love playing Luke either. But, my, but, yes, I think what is clear here is that all of a sudden it's clear the Lakers are not going to be five if the Jazz win tonight then the Clippers most likely become three. Like, or it increases the Clippers' chances of being three. And now all of a sudden, if you're one, the Lakers and Clippers are sitting in the other side of the bracket. Whether they're sitting at 3-6 or 3-7 is not clear, but they're sitting on the other side of the bracket. And you- now you're playing the winner of Denver-Dallas in the second round, which you, if you're the number one seed and legit, you should be. Do you think the Jazz are clearly better than the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray? Do we have Donovan and Mike Conley? Uh, man, by the second round, I assume so. Uh, for the purposes of this, let's just say yes. Whether it happens or not, yeah, let's just say I, yes. I think they're after – they have two of the top ten best offensive players on their roster right now. In Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is Clay Thompson in Kevin Durant's body and is incredible. I think only having two of them – as a series develops, is going to be problematic for them. Um, I do think, I mean, Jokic is so great. If you can find a way to reduce Jokic's playmaking for others to some extent while they're, while those players are limited, you, over a course of a series, the Jazz could win that series. Um, in other words, Jokic makes everyone else so much better than they actually are because he's that special that if you can eliminate that aspect and make those guys just be who they are, I think you're better off. You have a chance. All right, there it is. We will yeah, leave I mean, it. I would think I would comfortably take the Jazz healthy over the Nuggets and the Mavericks in a seven-game series more so than maybe any of the other playoff teams. The Mavericks is not easy, though. Chris Depp pulls Rudy out. Dorian Finney-Smith is making his threes, and Luka is, you know, the second-best offensive player in the NBA. Maybe third. Maybe fourth. <laughs> Man, the league is loaded right now. The league is loaded with offensive players. I was so trying to figure great. out, hmm, I wonder who he's ruling out immediately. Well, here. one is Jokic, and so then Durant is two, and Steph is three, and then Luka's by four. And now you've just given LeBron some serious bulletin board material if he gets healthy. He's not the same. 
Like, he's incredible, and he was amazing in the playoffs, but he's 36. Like, he's not the same. He's great, but he's not the same. He's not like 29-year-old LeBron right now, let's be honest. Kawhi Leonard is the one I gave bulletin board material to. He's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us every week. He's got games tonight, Jazz Nuggets, and tomorrow night, Jazz Rockets, right here on the Zone Sports Network. 7 o'clock tonight, 8 o'clock tomorrow. David, thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week. Opponent steals. (laughs) Quinn's losing his mind. 30 turnovers, no sleep, 15 cups of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) All true, by the way. See ya. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. We've got to give away tickets to see the Jazz and the Nuggets tonight, and we'll do that in the next segment. Stay with us. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This segment is brought to you by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now. You can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing. For your free bid. All right, we've got jazz tickets to give away from uh, now to the end of the show. we got a pair to give away in this segment right now. We're going to go old school. I'm going to open the phones, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE, caller number 12. Right now, you're going to see the jazz and the nuggets tonight. So call right now, Yak. Is standing by, ready to give away a pair of tickets. Now, PK, we're going to give away some more tickets in the nine o'clock hour. You want to set it up? Tell the folks how we're going to how we're going to launch these out into the universe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that in order to win a championship, everybody has to pull together, and there has to be certain individual sacrifice. Right? There's no question. You for the good of the cause, you have to sacrifice and make it bigger than yourself. I think everybody would agree with that. We've heard about that many times. And we think that the Jazz have a legitimate shot this very season to win the ship. So with that in mind, since we all have to sacrifice to one degree or another, depending on what our role is, what are you willing to sacrifice for the Jazz to win the NBA title and to be crowned the best for the 2020 21 season. Think about it, people. Mull it over. We're going to open the phones at 930. You can also use, if you can't stay on hold, you're working, use your phone, grab our app, use the open mic feature, and send us your takes. We'll also open the phone line, so either way, you'll have a chance to win. And we'll do that coming up at 9.30. All right, Yach is taking those of you who are calling right now, 855-340-ZONE. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking NBA basketball with Ben Golliver, both about the race this year. He's an uh, NBA writer for the Washington Post, and we'll get his take on this year and also the book he's got out, uh, Bubble Ball, about uh, everything that happened behind the scenes to make last season happen and create the now defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers. We'll talk with Ben next. Stay with us. 
DJ PK and Ben Golliver joining us, national NBA writer for the Washington Post and author of Bubble Ball. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. You're writing a book very quickly after something happened, and sometimes you want more perspective than that, but then I guess there's the advantage of fresh details. There was a lot of reporting on this at the time. Given a few more weeks and a few more months to dig stuff up, are you able to tell us stuff that we didn't know, stuff that's come to light? Well, I was in the bubble for 93 days, and so I wanted to take you in there with me. So this isn't about going to try to find some alternate source of everything. I mean, I want to take you right there. And so for me, it was an all-in experience. Um, It was incredibly challenging, and I think it was covered thoroughly, and rightfully so. But I think you'll be amazed as you're looking back how many of the things slipped between the cracks. And this isn't just really a basketball story. I mean, it's a public health story. I mean, it's an NBA history story. I think it's also a social justice and political story. And then uh, on top of all of that, you have the business story where the NBA is, you know, facing you know, potential billions in losses and trying to fill in the gaps. And so I think there's a lot going on for me. This is kind of my memoir from the shutdown until the championship uh, celebration when LeBron sprayed me with champagne. And there's an awful lot in there. And I think there's a bunch of stuff that people haven't heard. So there was a lot of things that went on last year inside the bubble. And at that point, sports, we'd had some sports, golf, baseball was about to start up. How, was, how important was it just for uh, the progression of the country that the bubble actually came off the way it did? I think it was a major turning point. Look, we were all coming out of the pandemic at that point, or I guess two or three months into it, thinking like, will this thing ever end? Are government bodies going to be loosening things up? You know, what's the right way for businesses to get back to work and bring employees back? I mean, these were major ethical questions. And we kind of needed some hope for, for the sporting environment to be like, hey, we're not going to just be shut down here for a year. I mean, I remember going in the bubble thinking, you know, if this doesn't work, it could be what, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months for this uh, thing shakes out. So I guess for me, when I look back on it, uh, it's remarkable how well it worked. The rules were so strict. We had four levels of security out there. We had to wear proximity alarms around our necks to make sure that we weren't too close to each other. We had electronic, uh, you know, bracelets essentially to get into our rooms that tracked us around the campus. I mean, all sorts of different things to make sure that the rules were upheld. Of course, we had to wear masks the entire time we were there. And I think if you put all those things together, it made for a strict environment and it made for a stable environment from a basketball standpoint. And that's really what mattered. They were able to play the games, crown a champion. And I think that was really the legacy of the bubble was the, was the great success of having these incredible players on the court uh, playing steady, fascinating basketball, including Utah Jazz versus Denver Nuggets in an unforgettable first-round series. I mean, to me, those are the things that I look back on, and I, I point to the rules and say the rules made those things happen. So unique problems brought on unique solutions, but how many of them were a one-time deal, and how many things that happened in the bubble does the NBA embrace going forward, and we see embedded in the game, you know, five years down the road? Well, yeah, I think the solutions were so thorough. In some cases, they turned people off, right? I mean, the life was so hard there in the bubble in terms of just what we were dealing with on a daily basis, kind of the big brother aspect, and then also the isolation aspect. Now, when it came time to choose for this season, you know, they went the other way on a lot of these things, right? They didn't want people to go back to a bubble. You know, three months was plenty for all the players. And also from a financial standpoint, I think the owner said, look, like, it was great that we were able to put these games on television, but there's a lot of other revenue streams out there, you know, potentially fans and stands, 
even if it's at a, a smaller number, trying to get the revenue, the um, you know the memorabilia numbers back up if you're bringing people into your building. And so there, there was a real push, I think, to um, almost treat the bubble as a, a once in a lifetime experience if they could. And you know, I think that you know there's there's pros and cons to that. I mean, in the bubble, we had very stable gameplay. The lineups, you know, you saw guys out there almost every single night. Um, and, and the challenging part was, okay, well, you're away from your family and your kids. I think on the flip side, um, this season we've seen total instability, especially in, in January where you have lots of positive tests. You have guys in and out of the lineups. You have these contact tracing absences where guys are missing teams, but uh, are, are sorry, missing games, but they're not even necessarily sick. And, you know, it kind of creates this disrupted schedule. Um, you know, I think that ultimately as we get through this vaccine process, you know, the NBA strategy here of not going back to a bubble, it looks okay because, you know, we've had way fewer positive tests over the last month and a half. As you're heading into the playoffs, you're seeing guys uh, get back healthy on the court and, you know, uh, have more time with each other, kind of build up chemistry and camaraderie on the court. And so I think, you know, it's going to kind of be a best of, of both worlds where you're able to have the players out there most of the time and you're able to have fans and stands. That's kind of what people would want. But I don't think there was a lot of motivation to do it again. I think it was so hard and so many sacrifices from all the different parties that nobody necessarily wanted, uh, you know, kind of a bubble part two. You think the basketball itself was better? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the quality of play this year has been way low uh, compared to the bubble, in part because of the the injury absences and the, the health and safety absences, and also the travel. Look, that was the best part about the bubble was I didn't have to go anywhere. Look, I went to every single playoff game from the second round on. I didn't miss a single one because they were all in the same place. I could get to them really easily. The referees love the no travel. The players love the no travel. Um, you know, even if you're in a situation where just like you're down 2-0, right, and like you've got to have that long flight to the other city because you've got to think about it. I mean, that didn't exist, you know, within a playoff series. You could kind of just refocus after every game. And so, um, you know, to me, I think that made for a much steadier product. The shooters got adjusted to these gyms. Um, you know, you saw, you know, some really incredible scoring performances. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jamal Murray, you know, J- uh, Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat, Anthony Davis. I mean, some of these guys got into incredible grooves in the postseason, and I attribute that to just the, the single-site location. I mean, I came away from it hoping, like, someday in the distant future they kind of do what the Super Bowl does and go to one really fun market and just stay there for a couple of weeks and have, like, a, a two-week-long party where you've got this uh, you know, single-site NBA Finals. You know, maybe it's London, maybe it's Miami, whatever it might be, and and kind of turn that into a celebration of the sport. I'm not sure they're ever going to do it, but, you know, for this one-time experiment, it worked out great. So one playoff, uh, one season of playoffs can kind of inform the next. The Lakers are the defending champs, courtesy of the bubble. Uh, When you look at this year, whether it's – there's so many health questions going in this playoff, but how do you look at this playoffs based on what you saw a year ago? Jamal Murray's hurt, so he won't do those 50-point games. Is Donovan Mitchell likely to with his – uh, confidence that he got from last year's playoffs. What do you think? Well, I look at this season kind of as the bubble hangover, right? I mean, you look at all the teams that went deep, whether it's the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nuggets. I mean, all those teams have had some challenges this year as they pull themselves together, either from a health standpoint or from just a, a fatigue and overloaded work standpoint. And so I, what I think that does, it opens up the field wide. Now, usually I would say, hey, there's three or four teams in a given year that have a chance to win the title. I think this year it's up to like eight or nine. I mean, this is one of the most wide-open years I can remember. Now, that may narrow if some of these stars come back and and they're completely healthy, right? You look at a guy like James Harden, he's a massive X-factor in that Eastern Conference. If he's back and fully healthy, 
the whole landscape uh, changes. But I think that's really the story heading into these playoffs. It's kind of anybody's bet. You've got a bunch of new blood, whether it's the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns. You can go right down the list of these teams that are going to be in the mix and that maybe weren't true title contenders in years past. I think that's going to make it more fun, more entertaining, more exciting, and certainly it's more unpredictable. I mean, this is the, the hardest year to pick a champion we've had in a while. How about to pick an MVP? Is it Jokic in your mind? Yeah, that one's done. I mean, that's, that's open and shut as easy as it gets. I mean, he's earned it from the consistency factor, and it's just been complete brilliance. He's been so good, I think we actually have to open it up and ask, you know, is he in the conversation as just like best basketball player, period, right? And that title is going to be open here because of LeBron's injury and, and just him missing time this year. That title's been LeBron's for an awful long time. Guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, Steph Curry, they're always kind of in the mix to, to wear the crown to sit on the throne. But I actually think Jokic deserves some love, too. He is so good at making his teammates better, putting them in position to succeed. He's become an unbelievable scoring threat, even though he's kind of a pass-first player. He's got that beautiful jump shot, turnaround, um, you know, silky shot. He can step out and hit the three-pointer now. He's got every post move you could possibly want. And he's the best passing center ever, I mean, period. And I think that he's moved past guys like Arvita Sabonis and Bill Walton in terms of the types of passes he can make how he can read defenses, and how he can bring the ball up the court. I think it's open and shut for him for MVP, and I think he's even potentially headed for bigger things. What I love about him, he's super clutch. Like, you get him into the playoffs, he takes his game up a notch. He doesn't shrink from the moment. We saw that last year against the Clippers in the second round, and you know I'm expecting that to see that again this year. You know, If they face the Lakers, say, in the first round, and the, the Lakers are all banged up, I, I would not count out Jokic just because Murray's injured. You know, don't don't say, oh, that team is done. I mean, they've still got a lot of talent left, and it starts with the big guy. So last thing before we let you go, the question in every market is, can our team do it? Can they win it all in what you just labeled this wide-open season? Can the Jazz do it? And if not, who takes them down? Of course they can do it, yes. I mean, you look at uh, their resume this year. I mean, they've been not only best record, but most dominant. You know, you look at the point differential stuff, which is often an indicator of which teams are going to go deep in the playoffs in terms of how much are you winning each game by. And they have been, you know, smoking everybody in, the, in that statistic. And, you know, they've had a number of big-time double-digit victories, blowout wins. And, again, that just speaks to the, the ceiling on their offense. It's been unbelievable to watch them move the ball, hit the three-point shot, play unselfishly, and play disciplined. It reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Spurs and you know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, probably their model, their hope is that they're going to be a team that kind of uh, is one of those, you know, five fingers makes a fist type teams where they're, they're uh, you know, they're better than the sum of their parts. Um, but a lot of teams are going to be able to, you know, go heads up against them. Look, the Lakers and Clippers have positional matchups with the, the forward positions. I know the Jazz have had dogfights with the Sun, seems like, every time they play this year. So I don't think it's going to be anyone coasting through this Western Conference. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. But the Jazz have to be in the mix. And if the Lakers aren't healthy, you could even potentially talk me into saying, you know, the Jazz are the favorites to come out of the West. And right now the clock is ticking big time on LeBron and Anthony Davis in terms of getting them healthy and up to speed. And so, you know, if, if the Jazz aren't the favorites to me in the West, they're right there. Ben, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the book. Author of Bubble Ball, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, Ben Golliver joining us. Thanks, Ben. All right, thank you. All right, DJ and PK, there is a uh, a lot of basketball from Ben Golliver there very quickly. PK, we were talking earlier this morning, it's usually in our mind two or three teams with a shot at the NBA title. He was a little a little uh, looser with that, saying three or four. 
And I had two numbers in mind, conservative and uh, a little more wide open. And you hit the conservative number at five. The other number I had in mind was eight. And he pushed it out to nine. That just seems like way too many. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know who his nine is, although we could probably guess, obviously. Pretty much name them all. That would be great for the league. If that was legitimate. Now, ultimately, we're going to say, well, there was really only two because it's going to be the two who play each other. Uh, So and I think he's an endorser of the league a little bit. So, uh, you know, he makes his living that way. I'm not questioning his integrity at all. If he believes that, so so be it. It's his his opinion. Uh, But nine, that would be awesome if every year we went into October with that many teams, almost almost a third of the teams, it just I haven't seen it. It's too individually oriented because of just the numbers involved. But it would be great for the league because then that really the thing that's most important that takes a knock, this league I think gets a knock on it more than any other league, is market size seems to matter and market glamour seems to matter. Not entirely because the Knicks have sucked for so many years. They're making a little comeback this year, and nothing is bigger than New York. We understand that. But if you really could have it to where you know the, the equivalent of Green Bay in the NBA can be a legitimate contender if you do things the right way, that would, I would love that for the league. It would be cool. It doesn't seem likely. The best right. players are so important, and they are so good. That, and especially now that they're working together in groups of two or three, it just doesn't seem like, you know. The, the, the 20th player, there's such a gap between the, the top two or three players and players 18, 20, and 22. There just can't be that many things. I, I think he had two, well, two things, obviously, because that's my favorite number. Uh, what he said about the hangover from the four teams that got to the conference finals, their short off season, I hadn't really considered that. You know, is that what brought down the heat and that? I think where it overlaps is we're seeing more stars injured this year. I don't think the number of injuries is that big a deal, but who it's happening to, that to me is a surprising thing. It is all stars. Uh, it's high level players. Yeah, okay, but is it Donovan Mitchell turned his ankle because he played in the bubble? No, I don't buy I don't attach it to the bubble. I'm saying it's wide open this year because stars are hurt. The three teams that we would normally go to that have the championship, a typical championship profile, Durant's been hurt, Harden's okay, hurt, but Kawhi is in and out of the lineup, LeBron Kawhi, and AD are hurt. In, Kawhi's been in and out of the lineup forever, it seems. It does. I mean, he took a whole season off, in San Antonio, yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he would he play in 50-some games in the full season with Toronto. So, I mean, that's who he is, and... LeBron is 36 years old, so it's going to take a little longer to come back. And Anthony Davis is, has injury issues. So really, is it that unusual? And ham, hamstring for Conley, well, this has been something that's been going on. I think it's opening up the playoffs. I think the injuries are the biggest reason that Potentially we're Potentially opening up. Right. It appears to be open now. And you're right, we'll be down to two teams, but if there's a lot of six- and seven-game series along the way, it'll feel like there really were all these teams with a shot. If teams get knocked out in four or even that gentleman sweep five-game deal, then it's not going to feel like they were legit contenders. And one well, of them, the Lakers, with these injuries, I mean, they could be in the play-in series and be knocked out. I would disagree in that if it's the five seed, the four seed, the six seed, even if it's a five-game series, if we get 
from the West, the four or five or six seed making the final, then it was open, irregardless of how long this individual series of uh, whatever, how long they were lasted. And I, I just don't see there's any way in the East that that could happen. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe Miami could catch lightning in a bottle again. I, I don't even know what place they're in. I'd have to double check it. I think six uh, or seven. Yeah, right. They're way and, down. Right, exactly. Which so makes their they, playoff path brutal. It does, yeah. So it's that's why I don't really see it in the East. I see it more in the West because I believe more in the quality of the teams, which is obviously a no-brainer anyway. Miami's seventh on a tiebreaker with Boston. Both teams are 35-31, and 31, tied for sixth and seventh right now. So that's a, that's a rough draw right there. You might have to beat the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers in three yeah, consecutive yeah, yeah. series. So I would look to see what seeds, because if we have lower seeds getting to the finals, then it was more open than we thought. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, you've been working on it. PK, set the table again. We got jazz tickets to give away in the next segment, and we're going to do it. It's for tonight's game with the Jazz and the Nuggets. Well, in order to win a title, players and coaches and everybody in an organization has to make some level of sacrifice, whether it's your own personal time, if you're a player, uh, for the good of the team, whatever it might be. So we as the fans... And we need to start making some sacrifices because we're just a couple of weeks away from the playoffs. So what are your sacrifices going to be to help the Jazz win the title? Because it's legit. It's real this season. Call 855-340-ZONE during the break. We'll get you lined up. Or use the open mic. Grab your phone. Use our app. Use the open mic feature and send us your take, and we will give those tickets away next. Mother's Day is Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff do it again for the listeners. Get it right on Mother's Day with their help. They'll give you 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Derek Favors with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Derek, 48 and 18 at this point. Is this about what you thought this team was capable of? And in addition to that, do you think this team is capable of going deep into the playoffs, contending for a title for real? No, I think we can definitely make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think we can continue to get better, especially on the defensive end and on the offensive end. I think we haven't reached our full potential yet, especially when Mike comes back, when, when Donovan comes back. You know, I think we'll be a scary team in the playoffs. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it is time now to give away some tickets to see the Utah Jazz play the Denver Nuggets tonight. 7 o'clock start. Big game for the Jazz against a team that's rolling and will be either the 3 or 4 seed in the Western Conference playoffs and the team that knocked them out of the playoffs in the bubble last year. PK... Yeah. It is all about sacrifice for the greater good. It is, man. I mean, geez, just look at me. I've had to sacrifice so much this morning for the good of the show. Laying out during that David Locke cage match. Yeah. Mm, those pancakes tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it going to be? What are you going to sacrifice to help the Jazz, you need to do your part to win the ship this year. Let's start with Patrick. Find out what he's willing to give up. Patrick, good morning. Good morning. 
855-340-ZONE if you want to compete with Patrick. Patrick, what are you going to do? Well, I figured since Joe and Donovan were going to do their baseball type of thing and see who can hit a ball off of Donovan, I will let Joe throw 10 pitches at me. I don't even know if he's accurate at all, but I'll try to hit his fastball. Hit Joe's fastball. I don't know. Does Joe have a fastball? I have no idea if he can make it to the plate or if he's just going to be head hunting or what's going to happen. You know, the Aussie <laughs> guy. Don't really know, but I'm I'll, I'm willing to do that. Well, he can okay. pitch from halfway from the mound. He can go halfway if he wants. Be real close. My guess is he hasn't pitched much, which I think PK would tell us then his release point is all over the place, so you better you better put a helmet on and be ready to move. Well, no. I've, been, I've been practicing the last couple of minutes of dodging a lot. <laughs> his release yeah. point would be he would be a submarine pitcher. You know why? I don't know why. Because he would have to come from down under. He's from Australia. Down under, I should have. (laughs) Thanks for setting PK up. All right, Patrick, hold on the line. Let's see how the competition fares. 855-340-ZONE. Or grab the phone, use our app, use the open mic feature, and send us your take. Let's go to the open mic. Yach, Gage, what do you have? As an avid sports watcher of at least one event every day of the year, I would sacrifice watching all sports other than Utah Jazz games for a year if they could win the championship. Ooh, that's a sacrifice. No NFL, no college football. Say goodbye to March Madness. Golf majors, Major League Baseball right down the line. I mean, I was so starved for sports at this time last year. I watched every second of the seventh round of the NFL draft. Boy, were you bored. (laughs) Yes. The seventh round of the NFL draft. Wake me when it's over. I'll look at Twitter and I'll see where people went. Well, you just want to see where the local guys go at that point. Yep. Uh, But there, or maybe it's uh, Pac-12 guys for me and uh, some Ute fans and all that stuff. But there is no way I could go a whole year without watching sports. I, I, I couldn't even go a week, let alone a year. Are you kidding me? Terrence is up next. Terrence, good morning. Terrence, I like it. Terrence got about a half second. silence for the whole year. <laughs> I take a vow of silence. Yes. <laughs> I go to the monastery on the mountaintop and take a vow of silence. All right, Brock's on the phone, 855-340-ZONE. Brock, what do you have? What are you giving up? Hey, hey guys, good morning. So, good morning. Rather than just once a month, I will go without food and drink for every at the beginning of every series, the Jazz play. Oh, man. Until sundown or what, all day? What, is this a hunger strike? Two meals. That's right. No no strength or nourishment at the beginning of every series. Oh, and then you pray for moisture, and then you'll give that the proceeds? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see where this is going, brother. <laughs> All right, stay in line. We'll see if it works. What was his name? Brock. Okay, got it. Who's up next, Jock? Tyler on the open mic. Tyler, what do you have? 
what I'm gonna do is wear my Jazz jersey every day and not wash it until they win the chip, the championship. Let's go. <laughs> Two months of bo. <laughs> Great. He didn't say he wouldn't shower. <laughs> well, he's not washing it. I know, but maybe, you know, some a shower and deodorant and cologne could mask it. If I wore the same shirt for two months, you would hate me, PK, and you wouldn't come within 50 yards of me. Uh, well, at least he didn't say Damn same, wind. Uh, same underwear. That would be That's really, really disgusting. Austin, good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Austin, how are you? Good, how are you? Okay. So, uh, I've decided if the Jazz win the championship, I'm going to stop doing things to embarrass my wife. Um, a couple years ago, we were at her grandma's house, and I thought I could juggle, and I tried to juggle some eggs and broke them on her grandma's floor. <laughs> and she was not very happy with me. So I need to stop doing stupid things to embarrass my wife, and that would be a pretty good incentive for me to to do that. Okay. All right, hold on the line. 855-340-ZONE. Breaking eggs all over Grandma's place. Josh is on the phone. Josh, good morning. For jazz tickets to see the jazz and the nuggets, what would you sacrifice to win a jazz championship, an NBA title? Well... I'm a high school student. I'm a senior this year, and I've been growing out this mullet for like a year and a half now, and I would just I'd buzz my whole head if I could just see this. Ooh, man, that's a sacrifice. A whole year's worth of mullet, and you just go a chrome dome, huh? Yeah, and it, it, it's longer than my dad's when he was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Take it right down. I like that. I like that one a lot. All right, stay on the line. You got a shot. We got tickets to give away to see the Jazz and the Nuggets tonight. Corey, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. What are you sacrificing to win a championship for the Jazz? I'm sacrificing these, winning these tickets tonight. <laughs> what does that mean? I'll let somebody else get these tickets and go to the game tonight for a championship. <laughs> well, that's... That's mighty big of you, man. I like it. <laughs> he hasn't won him yet. I love that. <laughs> what if let's you're lying to us? Give somebody, give somebody else some tickets and let's get that championship, right? Okay. All right. You really are a team player. Thanks for the call. 855-340-ZONE. Grab the open mic. It's on our app. Use the open mic feature. Send the audio. Yawk will get it on the air. People are flooding in. They want to go to the game. Friday night, no plans. Jazz Nuggets tickets. Who wouldn't want to go? Yeah, right. really. Denver's a great story. I mean, we we focus on you know the team in our backyard, but man, to lose your your second leading scorer and uh, a guy who was dropping fifty in the bubble for you, and you still go ten and two in the next twelve. That's impressive. All right, our last entry. Eric's on the phone. Eric, go ahead. All right. So what I would. Uh... What I would sacrifice for a Utah Jazz championship. Me and my friends already vowed we'd get a tattoo of Joe Ingles right on our thigh if that happens, just because we love the Utah Jazz that much. 
Joe, I don't know if I want to wake up and look at Joe every day. <laughs> it's, it's worth the championship, man. <laughs> All right, stay on the line. Maybe Renee, but definitely not Joe. <laughs> uh, shaving the mullet, fasting. Getting a Joe Ingles tat. You got some others that jump out at you here? Uh, I wrote them all down. So we have Patrick, who is willing to take the fastballs from Ingles, uh, obviously dodging. Brock would say he would fast each series. Uh, Austin would stop embarrassing his wife. Josh is willing to buzz his head after growing that mullet out. Corey is willing to give up tonight's tickets. Eric obviously will get the Ingles tattoo. And our open mic contestants, Gage has given up sports for one year. And Tyler would never wash that jersey until they win it. How many do we have? We got two pair here to give away. I'll go the uh, fast and pray guy. Okay, so that means Brock wins one pair. DJ, do you agree with that one? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. I think that... Um, ooh, bigger sacrifice. Gage not watching sports I'm saying for a year. Gage that went one, up for a year. That, that one hits home. That's my pick. But taking the mullet all the way down to the scalp when you're a teenager... Okay, so I'm going Gage. You're Ooh, going. Yeah. You're going Mullet. So we, PK, you're the you're the deciding vote on this other pair, Gage or Josh. Which which ones are which? So Gage is giving up sports for a year. Josh is willing to go Chrome Dome with that mullet. Uh, and how many do we have? We got one pair left. We're giving away one pair to Brock. How about uh, one one ticket to each, and then they become friends? <laughs> I wish I could do that, but the Jazz do not allow that currently with how things are configured in the arena. <laughs> Random strangers hanging out together in a game. Good, yeah, call. You're, you're, good call, dude. Oh, I thought yours was pretty good, too, dude. <laughs> you're, you're, you're brought together by your love of the Jazz. There, when Really, when you think about it, in that arena tonight, there are no strangers. Ah, everybody's there everybody's is. going for, for the same purpose <laughs> to, to have activity and to see the Jazz win, right? Yeah. Who do you want, PK? You got to uh, split the tie. Those are two really good. So I'm, I'm picking both. Well, in the end, yeah. Uh, After you set out the lock interview, we gave you the freebie, so you got the first pick. I thought these were the three strongest ones. I got no, I got no gripes with any of them. I'm a little hesitant to have a high school kid shave his head. That's why I think he should get him. That's a huge sacrifice. Okay. That's a. Uh, but but Gage okay. giving us sports for I know, but what about, Can you. Imagine what about not watching parents? any football? Not watching you, any football. Would you want your kid to be bald in high school? No. Right. That, that's why. So it's you a didn't sacrifice. think of his right, but you're not thinking of his parents. I, okay. How can I authorize something that may upset uh, it's his a parents? Minor. It's a minor, and PK feels like a line is being crossed, so we go with Gage then? Because you give up you all of football. People watch a lot of football. Our listeners watch a lot of football. Okay, I'll tell okay, you let's what. Do, let's do Gage. What I'll do yeah. is I'll give up soccer for a year. You're the man. What a sacrifice. <laughs> all right, Gage. Let's send Gage. There it is. So, Brock, Gage, I'll be in touch. Thanks for participating, everybody. We'll be back with your feedback next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. Everything you think about today's show. And John just tweeted at us that we blew it, PK. 
If that so. dude gives up sports for a year, you loose a listener. Think it through. Signed, the management. He said watch. He right? didn't say attend. He might need us more than ever. He's going to need us to yeah. let him know what's going on. Right? Yeah, exactly, man. We'll be his conduit, if you will. You Shasta trailer says, okay, I'll make my sacrifice. I will give up my date with Anna Kendrick 47 if the Jazz win tonight. Was that the original AK-47? <laughs> no, it's a different AK-47. <laughs> Clint says if the Jazz could win a championship, I would get a full-length back tattoo of PK's face. Well, uh, for your sake, I hope they don't then. <laughs> You'd never have to look at it. <laughs> the rest of us would. I think for if the Jazz win the ship, I'm going to give up cheating on my diet. How much weight do you think you'd lose if you stopped cheating on your diet? Oh, I'd probably look sickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't Malnourished, know. super skinny yeah. PK. I don't think people want to see me at like 170. Uh, let's see. We got, we got other people, uh, hitting us up. Big question today was, uh, with Ernie Johnson of TNT picking the jazz to make the NBA finals. Well, how about that? What do you think of that? And put that up on Twitter. Just copy and pasted your, uh, your Facebook question onto Twitter. And that's over a hundred likes. People like that a lot. They want the national respect. A guy on a national show thinks the Jazz are going to the finals. Guys yeah, on the show hooted something. and hollered like that was a long shot pick when he said it. Yeah, good. Add more fuel to the fire. You probably hate this stuff. I like to check it out. I'm curious. 538 runs their 10,000 simulations and then gives assigns teams a chance of making the finals and of winning the finals. They have the Jazz as the third best bet to get to the finals and to win it. In the East, the Sixers, a 46% chance of making it and a 24% chance of winning it. And then the Clippers and Jazz, real close. They have the Clippers at 35% of making it, 22% of winning it. And the Jazz, 32% chance to get there and an 18% chance to win it. That's uh, it's taking the Jazz pretty seriously right there. It's wide open, so nobody has a great chance of winning, and the Sixers don't even have a, a quarter of the odds, and they're the favorite. Right. Right. So it's, they, they've got it wide open, but yeah. considering that it's wide open, they give the Jazz as, as good a chance as anybody. I think it's the horse racing analogy right here. We're at the top of the stretch, PK, and uh, it's like six horses wide. Here they come. Down the stretch they come. Uh, that can be exciting, very much so. Injuries, I think, a big factor why the Nets are a 10% chance to win it all and the Lakers 5%. They give the Bucks 8 and the Suns 4. So, the Suns getting the least amount of respect. Uh, the teams behind the Suns are the Nuggets at 3, the Heat at 2, the Celtics at 1, and everybody else is under a 1% chance. So, okay, the, the Suns are pretty far down the list. Considering they are going to have the best or second best record in the NBA, depending on how these last six games play out, to have the 7th best odds to win the title. Yeah. Seems pretty low. Seems It does at 4%. But it probably goes back to what you said. They are literally counting on so many players who've never been in the playoffs. They've got key guys who have not had a single postseason game. And to think they're suddenly going to win 16, 
That's you know the the Warriors are an outlier in that I think they had a a second round appearance, then a first round out, and then they won the title. They only have three series and only one series under your belt when you win a championship. That is the path less taken, and it's yeah, but kind of what the Jazz are doing. I agree with that. It is less taken, but at the same time, if you've been together for multiple years, even in defeat, I think there's it's more plausible to see with that Warrior team the first time they won the title minus Durant than expecting to the, what the Suns can do. That's why I think that the Jazz have a legitimate shot because of the fact that they have been together for two seasons and they have experienced something. The thing I don't guys. Yeah. I and the thing I don't like about these simulations is that human element, resolve, you know, determination, toughness under pressure. I think that really sure. matters in the NBA playoffs. It really matters a lot. And we've got a flash of it. When Donovan said at the start of the year, or the either the end of last year or start of this year, whatever it was, because there wasn't much time in there, and he said, We're done going out in the first round. Right? It shows this mm-hmm. resolve, this determination. But what he didn't say is, we're winning it. Nothing else is acceptable. And I think that's when you see the Kenny Smiths of the world saying, hey, they got a chance to get deep. They're better. They got a chance to get deep. But you need the scars along the way before you win it all. You know, he won it all, and the Rockets went through some of that. Shaq won it all, and certainly his Laker teams went through that. Um, you know, Barkley went through that and never won it all and ran into Jordan in the finals with his best chance. So I, I get that there's this level of resolve to get through the first round. Now, even though he didn't say it publicly, is there that same level of resolve deeper in the playoffs? Because they're going to need it if they're going to pull it off. There is this year, but I mean, he has three years of scars. He's lying on the floor. Now it's the first round, yep. but would have hurt more if it was the second or third round? Would he? Would he just roll on the floor, lie on the floor longer, and it looked pretty painful in the moment. And that's something I appreciate rather than, oh, whoop to do and now i got some time off, get out of here, and go live my life with my millions. So I want to see these guys be hurt. And it hurt Mitchell. And, and Mitchell has grown up, man. He knows what it's about. You want to be part of the – you want any form of a legacy, you've got to win titles. You don't want to be in that group. Who's the best player never to win a title? I mean, nobody wants to be in that group. The guys who are in that group don't want to be in that group. True story. Uh, we got a lot of reaction here from people about, uh, about Ernie Johnson picking, it, picking the Jazz, and uh, it was all over the place. John, I'd support that. Uh, Nancy, well, let's not disappoint now. Go Jazz. Um, Alex says they have a lot of fun on TNT, especially when they troll Laker and Clipper fans. Were they trolling, or was he legit? That's his legit pick. Uh, well, having watched it, I don't know for sure, but I don't think it was a troll. I don't think it was. I think uh, when you write it down, I think they're going to go back to it. I think they're going to use it to launch another segment. And nobody wants to be right when they're getting checked a couple weeks. Or no one, excuse me, no one wants to be wrong. Everyone wants to be right when you're getting checked a couple weeks down the line. If you say it and throw it out, it can kind of go away in the moment. You know, as a as a former newspaper guy, that was always the thing, like a mistake on radio TV. If you're not listening in that second, it kind of goes away. You put it in the paper and people say, what? They got that wrong. And they look at it. And the, there's something about writing it down that makes it more permanent and makes people more accountable. 
And that's the great thing about the newspaper industry going in the tank. If you make a mistake, you can just call the editor on the Internet. Hey, could you fix that? Right? <laughs> it's <laughs> technology, baby. Believe me, I've called Josh Furlong a time or two at KSL. Hey, could you correct this? <laughs> Couldn't do <laughs> that at the trip. To my attention. They're not going to run no, out. You got to wait till the next day, and you got to suffer it. Yeah. So, but those days are gone. All right, there you go. That is the week that was. We got two Jazz games before we get back together here Monday morning. The Jazz and the Nuggets tonight should be a really good game. Well, a very competitive game. Some of you may not find that enjoyable. Some of you may prefer bringing in a team like Houston, a team the Jazz should win big. Jazz will be going back-to-back, so we'll see how that plays out. But they're both home games. And Houston, uh, once they traded Harden, they pretty much gutted the team. They moved Westbrook, so they're piling up the losses. I would expect that the... uh, the Jazz will roll right through that, but you know what happens when you assume. Well, no matter what happens tonight, you get a chance to see the presumptive MVP in the league. That's yeah. good unto itself. The Rockets are playing the Bucks in Milwaukee, and they will be going back-to-back with after a long flight. Uh, but at least they're going uh, east to west, so they won't get in at like 3 a.m. But you're right, it's Jokic tonight, the Joker, and uh, he's been putting on a show this year, night after night after night. All right, we will see you again here Monday morning, 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.